If you're watching this later on YouTube or listening later, if you want to know how to join us live so you can see us handle guns like this, <coughs> bang sticks, freedom sticks, however you want to put it, you have to go to Utreon. That's the place to go to. We could go live from Utreon. We could handle guns. YouTube doesn't let us do that. So go over to Utreon slash who moved my freedom. That's how you do it. You can also go to hankstrange.com. Look around the site. You'll see all the different links there. Places where you can go to support us, different platforms we're on. All the good stuff is over there, and you can find that on HankStrange.com. That being said, let me load my guests up into here, and we will get this kicked off if everyone... Let's see. I don't hear any complaints. I will get this kicked off right now. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation. Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Franklin Armory. Franklin Armory provides 100% U.S.-made firearms and awesome binary option triggers. Their focus and purpose is to provide freedom tools to all Americans, especially those in not-so-free states. So when you're in the market, please consider Franklin Armory. All right, let's see. We are live here. Let me throw my guests in here. First thing that we do, gentlemen, we do jazz hands. It doesn't matter how macho you are. We're taking it back from the communists. There you go, jazz hands. We are live. I hope you guys have your big girl panties on. This is episode 894 of the mm -hmm. Who Moved My Freedom podcast. And uh, tonight my guests are Matthew Kilgo. Did I say that right? You got it right. There you go. Matt Kilgo, you're an independent attorney for U.S. Law Shield. That's correct. I'm the Georgia program attorney. Absolutely. Welcome to the show for the first time. Happy to have Thank you, you sir, here. Appreciate it. Yes. Um, and, you know, just so everyone knows out there, you know, we we are we do have U.S. Law Shield. We definitely um, have that here. Also joining us is my friend, Luis Valdez, right? State director for Florida for GOA. Yep. It's a pleasure to be back on the air, Hank. Thank you. Absolutely. Welcome back. Um, you know, it's going to be a fun show tonight. It's Wednesday, and, and we're having fun here. We're here. You guys are here. If you all have questions, uh, let us know. We will try to answer questions and all that kind of stuff. I'm here on the top for the first 20 minutes. I'm going to welcome everyone. So, you know, we've had Lewis here before, so I am going to start with Matt. We'll go to Matt. Welcome to the show, Matt. You want to tell the folks a little bit about you out there since you've never been on the show? Who are you? How did you come to work for work with U.S. Law Shield, etc.? Sure, I'm five foot ten. I love puppies. Rainy days inside. Uh, <laughs> I uh, know I'm a lawyer in Atlanta, Georgia, Marietta, Georgia. Been a lawyer for 23 years. Started working as an independent program attorney for U.S. Law Shield about eight years ago. Georgia was one of the first few states where U.S. Law Shield offered memberships outside of Texas, and uh, been with them since about a year before they started here. We now have uh, 15,000 members in Georgia, and I think U.S. Law Shield's about 800,000 nationwide. So I have an attorney-client relationship with each one of those members. And you know, as you and I were discussing off-camera a little earlier, you can't fly from someplace like Tallahassee to Orlando without connecting through the LaToya Jackson Intergalactic Spaceport, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the Hartsville-Jackson here in Atlanta. Right. <laughs> so I help all of U.S. Law Shield's members when they're in Georgia. Okay. So I'm, I work with them, not for them, but... 
Mm-hmm. We do a lot to protect uh, people's Second Amendment rights here, and if they have to protect themselves, then I'm the, the hired goon that comes in to assist them. Much appreciated. That is the one mm-hmm. time you will you will love a lawyer, right, Lewis? You know, I mean, I'm sure yeah, just about. Some, yeah, we already we already treated to some lawyer jokes behind the scenes here before we even got going. <laughs> uh, Lewis, what's up, man? Uh, obviously, you've been on uh, here many times. Uh, what's going on in the state of Florida? That's usually, you know, uh, why we have you on here. Keep us up with what's going on up in Tallahassee. Any news? Uh, I got some news. Hold on one second here. Let okay. me share my screen. I can figure out how to do this. Nope, won't let me share. Okay. So um, I'll send you the image to share. Okay, what is... But mm-hmm. don't worry, I'll send it to you. But okay. so today, yesterday started... Our first special session, the mm-hmm. governor called it for redistricting, and uh, he just expanded it to remove Disney of its special privileges as being a political subdivision of the state. As if For folks that don't know, in 1967, the Florida legislature gave Disney the right to be its own uh, city, basically. They're the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Mm-hmm. So they could uh, file, they could tax people, they could form their own police department, they could do all that. Yeah. Well, in Florida, every political subdivision is subservient to the state, and the legislature could basically say, you don't exist anymore. So mm-hmm. right now, that's going on. And on top of that, uh, Governor DeSantis has called another special session in May to cover insurance reform. And if you remember, back at the end of March, he gave a speech that said he would, lo- he would have loved to have redistricting, insurance regulation, data privacy, and constitutional carry. So it looks like the governor is going down his list right now okay. of those priorities and calling special sessions. He gave enough rope to the legislature, and apparently they hung themselves on it. Okay. I mean, it's a it's a good thing. You know, um, I'm, I can't wait for the day when we have to stop being jealous of Georgia, you know, of, of them having – and a whole bunch of other states. Is it – what is it, like 20? Well, is it 20 states? 20 – 25. Georgia was the 25th to enact 25. it. Now we, yeah. 25. Right, uh, yeah. Alabama and Ohio hit just before Georgia, but Alabama's doesn't go into effect until January 1st. And Georgia's. Don't, don't forget Indiana. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and Indiana. Uh, but uh, Georgia's went into effect immediately upon signing. I said Ohio. I think I may have met Indiana. I think you got me there, Lewis. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, yep. So Ohio, it, it was, Ohio does not it, have constitutional carry, or do they? No, Ohio does. It okay. was Ohio, Indiana, mm-hmm. um, Alabama, then Georgia. Then Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Man. And Nebraska is on the verge of getting it too. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's, what I find so interesting about it, especially in this day and in this time, the backdrop mm-hmm. of, you know, the Ukraine that had, had um, single-handedly stripped their populace of the ability to carry – and now we're sending guns to them to protect themselves. I think it says a lot, and Lewis, I'm sure you would agree with me on this. It says a lot about the tenor of this country, about how we really feel about self-protection. Coming out of the pandemic, we know we have to be self-reliant. And being self-reliant means being able to carry and to protect yourself and your family at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. As New York just proved um, with the, the terrorist attack on the subway mm-hmm. there. Yeah. New York's defense, New York's entire argument 
in um, New York State Rifle Pistol Station v. Bruin was that, oh, the police will protect you. Uh, too much of a crowd can't be trusted to carry firearms, yada, 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 yada. And the New York Solicitor General, she even went so far as to specifically list subways as a gun-free zone and said, well, we can't have people armed on the subways, God forbid. You know, it's a safe space because we have law enforcement there. And you had uh, the New York City mayor literally increase law enforcement on the subways. And guess what? It didn't do anything. And I know this from personal experience in 15 years in law enforcement. Law enforcement isn't proactive nine out of 10 times. We're reactionary. We show up after the fact. We take a report and then we hunt down the perpetrator. We you say are when, your uh, own first responder. Count, police are only moments away, right? When seconds count, cops are minutes to an hour away. That's mm-hmm. the truth. We've mm-hmm. seen that multiple times. We saw it in New York just recently. We saw it sadly in Parkland. We've seen it at Columbine. You know, I could go through the list of every location, every mass shooting, of every terrorist attack where the criminal element was easily on scene by at least 30 minutes before law enforcement showed up. And the only people that could have fought back and stopped it was an armed, law-abiding public citizen. Yeah. And we could even go Thankfully. across the globe. We, we, we could look at Kenya with the, uh, the Westgate mall shooting, mm-hmm. where you had uh, terrorist elements go into the mall, kill a bunch of people, and both the Kenyan police and the Kenyan military staged outside, and who went inside to save lives were the few licensed people in Kenya to carry firearms. They were, most of them were IPSC and uh, competition shooters. They grabbed their, you know, the, the ever classic uh, IDPA shoot me vest, and they ran inside while the cops and the military were standing outside staging, and they saved lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Well, what I was going to say is it's, it's interesting to me, especially when it comes to New York, and, and we're going to hear a lot more from the New York yeah. Rifle and the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association because, you know, this is, they call it the October term in the Supreme Court. They rendered their decisions by June. Mm-hmm. So that's coming. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I don't think that what happened in New York last week will have any effect on it. I think that decision's been made. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I was a child of the 80s. I know who Bernie Getz is. Yeah, me too. You're the man who defended himself. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is of all those folks, it was what, 16 folks who were, who were shot and injured on the, on, on the subway last week? Yeah. None of them have been asked, at least to my knowledge, I haven't seen anything, about what their preference would have been. Would you... Would you prefer to have been able to take care of yourself in that moment? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's been I, I, not enough done to really get to the effect that it's had on these victims because I think they know what it's going to mean is that they want the ability to protect themselves. Yeah, I remember I grew up in New York City. So I grew up in uh, Far Rockaway, New York. And um, I graduated high school in 88. When was when was mm. Bernard Getz? Like was it eighty seven, eighty eight, something like that? Eighty six. I think it was like eighty two, eighty three. Right oh, that oh before that, he, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was before that, and I distinctly yeah. remember that case where, yeah, um, I, they, I remember, they see, he, you know, up. he was threatened with a screwdriver, and they found mm-hmm. sharpened screwdrivers on the suspects. It was mm-hmm. like three three guys that he shot, I think. Three or four guys. I, re- I remember the case well. And uh, he was a victim previously of a mugging. Um, uh, I think it was 19, regard, I remember, 1984. 1984 from what I okay. see. Uh, I remember the New York Guardian Angels. They supported Bernie Getz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I can tell you, 1984, I went into high school, and I remember this, right? I was a black teenager, 1984, living in New York City. You know whose side I was on? Like, just what you said, Matt, you know, they didn't ask people what they think about it. And I specifically remember in New York City, as a black teenager living there, right? Not thinking the way I do now as a as a 50-year-old, but I think 1984, um, I would say, you know, I was in my very early teens. Um I remember thinking, good for that guy that he defended himself, because I've been through the same, uh, at already at that age in New York City, I've already been through the same things that that guy was going through, you know, and I remember thinking, how come we all can't defend ourselves? And I think ultimately, you know, you're, you're the lawyer here, so I think ultimately he got off of the charges except the weapons charges, right? I know that... They initially charged him with attempted murder. The grand jury refused to indict him mm-hmm. on that, except for the weapons possession charges. I'd have mm-hmm. to go back and look at Wikipedia. I think he ultimately was guilty of one count of carrying an unlicensed firearm. Right. Uh, but he was vilified in the press. How dare you protect yourself? How dare you, uh, you know, uh, uh, accost these young kids who had screwdrivers and wanted to take something and didn't buy? Who do you think you are? And, yeah. and now he is every man. Mm-hmm. You know, 25 states, half of the United States have said, you know, he is every man. He is the, the man, the woman, the person, black, white, red, green, tall, short, who can and must take personal responsibility for their own safety and security and the safety and security of their family. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things is, is if people in New York City, let's say, think that the citizens can the citizens of new york city or residents however you want to put it if new york city cannot defend themselves um are they gonna get a one police officer for every resident i mean how are you gonna do that right isn't well, it at least not, six, not seven if they're trying to people? defund police <laughs> and, and and even then as the supreme court has stated police do not have a specific role in protecting the individual mm-hmm. citizen that's absolutely right yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. You, you guys will get a kick out of this. I live in Kennesaw, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Kennesaw, you may have heard, <laughs> is famous for its city ordinance that requires the head of household to possess a firearm. Mm-hmm. And we moved there about two years ago from another small town just, you know, just west of Kennesaw. And I, I tried to convince my wife at the time that, that the ordinance said I had to buy a new firearm. Mm-hmm. But she was past the point. Of, uh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, no, idiot. I know that's not what yeah. that says. Right. And, and it's unenforceable. It has to be that, this $10,000 1911 that's required by law. That's right. <laughs> no, 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 I'm pretty sure the fine they, print they say, is staccato 2011. Right? They, they say we have to get a second mortgage so we could get this HK23E belt fed. Come on, Honey, what, it, what is the technical and why did it just show up at the house? <laughs> right. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. It's for the bunker. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's a, this is I, a, this is such a, this is such a crazy, crazy idea that's happening in America. Whenever I talk to people, when, when these uh, shootings happen, when these incidents happen, right? People that I speak to don't go, oh, no, that's it. I definitely don't want to have a gun. They want to know how they can have a gun to defend themselves in that moment, because tell me what instance something like this happened and there was a police officer there. I'm not saying that it hasn't, but 
you know, it's not very common that something goes down and there is a police officer there in the mo- in that moment, in- including a place like New York City that I think has the most cops uh, per capita w- when compared to the, the people who live there. Well, you, you never see the headline, mm-hmm. bad guy acts out, police officer does job, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You only hear the speaking, bad You have a better chance of winning the lotto mm-hmm. than a cop being there. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of like preaching to the choir here with that one, but uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. It's, um, you know, it, it's just one of these things. I know what everyone's paying attention to is the, the whole, uh, you know, what the media dubbed the don't say gay bill, you know, which doesn't have any kind of words like that in it. I, was, I got my hair cut today. I was talking to my barber, you know, and... Um, uh, he was, he asked me, he was like, what is that about? And I said, basically, it's a bill that you cannot, the teachers cannot talk to um, kindergartners, I think up to third or fourth grade. I think it, maybe it's from kindergarten to third grade. Third grade. Yeah. You can't talk to them about sex. And he was like, yeah, of course you can't. <laughs> Why? You know, he's like, well, I don't want anyone talking to my, to my, you know, he's got a younger daughter. He's like, I don't want anyone talking to my daughter about sex not teacher or anyone. So why, you know, why is that a problem? Why are people mad about that? Because this is the world we're living in, man, where Disney, like we were talking about Disney is literally mad that the teachers can't talk to your kids about sex at what's kindergarten, four years old or something, five years old. Uh, five. Yeah. Yeah. Five. Yeah. You know, so that's where we are now. I'm I'm with all of that stuff. I'm with the law, all of that, but it becomes kind of a distraction to the more important thing to me, um, you know, getting constitutional carry here in the state of Florida and pulling back some, you know, Florida used to be called a gunshine state. You know, now Georgia's making us look bad. You know? So see, look, look at Matt's face. Look at Matt's face right now. Look at this face right here. You know? He's like, hey, I I'm not saying Georgia, I had man. anything to do with that. Right? <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah, just the guy who's happy that it's expanding his business. I will tell you that some mm-hmm. of the things they've done lately has taken has taken money out of the pot because mm-hmm. you know you don't have to go to probate court anymore to get a weapons carry license in Georgia. If you have a weapons carry license, you're a lawful weapons carrier. If mm-hmm. you don't, but you could have one because you're eligible, you're a lawful weapons carrier. When you guys travel up from Florida with or without a Florida license, if you got a Florida license, you're a lawful weapons carrier. If you could get a license if you lived in Georgia because you're eligible, mm-hmm. you're, they have made they've, – they've gone to great extents to ensure that anyone who's lawfully able to possess can do so. Mm-hmm. But one of the biggest distinctions that has to be made about a kind of law like this is that it doesn't grant a right – for anyone who can't possess a firearm legally. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big misconception about constitutional. Well, now everyone can carry. No, nope. mm-hmm. it doesn't say that felons, misdemeanor crime of domestic violence, you know, mis- miscreants, mm-hmm. uh, anyone who's a juvenile, right? you, it, it doesn't grant any greater access to firearms. It grants greater freedom to individuals who can legally possess firearms. Uh, it, it's no magic bullet. They, they took about a dozen statutes and pulled out all the restrictions on weapons carry. And what's left is permitless carry if you are eligible lawfully to possess. 
Okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got like a minute and a half here. Uh, Lewis, what's up with so, Florida, man? I, I put this all on your shoulders, Lewis. You got to carry us across the line. No, I, you can't so do it on your own. Everyone has I, to I get text, it. I texted you a photo. Can you pull it up? Yeah, absolutely. Hold on. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Let's see. All right. And uh, like I said, we've got about a minute here. Go for it. So today we just did another constitutional carry rally at the Capitol and mm-hmm. our good friends and allies from uh, Big Daddy Unlimited and uh, from other organizations across the state, they uh, contributed and helped. And as you see there, mm-hmm. we are still sending the message. I was planning to be there today, but uh, I had a family emergency I had to take care of. So sadly, I couldn't be at the Capitol live mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. talking about that because that was my plan today. But as you see, Floridians from all across the state showed up to the Capitol and they still said, we want constitutional carry. Mm -hmm. The governor says he wants constitutional carry on his desk. The only people that don't want it is the legislative leadership and a couple of members of the House and Senate. Uh, If you just saw Representative David Smith, he flat out said, and he's a Republican, mind you, that he's against open carry and constitutional carry. Because of foreign tourists, even though foreign tourists only make up 3.7% of our total amount of tourists. Yeah, listen, we're taking a break. We're coming right back. Walther Arms has been making concealed carry handguns for over 90 years, starting with the PPK. Today, Walther is based in the good old U.S. of A. and still builds quality firearms like the PPQ and PDP for personal defense and competition. So when you're in the market, please consider Walther Arms. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Walther Arms. All right, we are back here. And uh, took a little break there. Let me see. Let me make sure Lewis. See, Matt came with his own little name. Lower I don't third. know how to do any of that. that that's all. <laughs> oh, 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 it, look it, at his sophisticated It gets better studio. than that, if, if I may. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's me. <laughs> Man, he's just, he's just got all kinds of technology. He's got one in the upper corner. <laughs> two down there i mean seriously monkey see button monkey push button and then i think i'm also supposed to tell you that uh, if you go to this website right okay and you, you can sign up for a, a gun law seminar through u.s law shield u.s law Shield's huge in florida I like a hundred thousand members there it's mm-hmm. like fifteen thousand members here in georgia so uh, yeah absolutely you know. we would encourage folks to sign up um probably whoever's listening to this podcast on audio heard a message from me about us law shield so uh, i'm sure lola's gonna put a link in here that you guys could go through if you want to sign up for us law shield and at the same time uh, help support us you can do that Uh, lola actually has a question she says can matt explain one what does permitless carry mean two georgia weapons carry license versus permitless carry Yes. So I I actually have a bit of a pet peeve about calling it permitless carry. Mm -hmm. We have licenses and and Lewis will know a lot about this too. Mm -hmm. Some states are may issue states and Mm -hmm. they usually have permits. Some states are shall issue states, meaning we can give you the may issue. Well, you got to show us a reason that you Mm -hmm. need a a, a permit. That's like Maryland, right? Or New Mm -hmm. York. Yeah. Uh, Georgia is a shall issue. If you qualify, the state must give you that license. So a permit is regulatory and permissive. A license is your right. So we have a weapons carry license in Georgia. The new law says 
It's fine to have a weapons carry license. And I actually would advocate to continue to renew your license for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, NICS checks and airport issues, school zone issues, reciprocity. We have reciprocity with 32 states. I can travel to other states like Florida right now. I can go down to Florida. I don't have constitutional carry in Florida yet, but I have a Georgia license that's recognized there. So very important. So the license allows us to do a lot of things. What permitless carry says is that you don't need the license anymore to do the same things in Georgia. The reason I say it's important to maintain the license is when I go to a state that isn't permitless carry, like South Carolina, I'm going to need my weapons carry license. So there's no difference in how you can carry. You can carry openly, concealed, loaded, unloaded. Uh, it don't shoot if it ain't loaded, folks. Uh, anywhere right. in your vehicle, <laughs> right? Anywhere in your vehicle, openly or concealed. And Georgia, unlike a lot of states, has no duty to disclose. So if you're stopped by a law enforcement officer, you don't have to disclose the presence of a firearm. A police officer cannot detain you if they see you carrying one simply to determine if you're lawful to carry. Now, okay. that doesn't mean they can't question you. We get into the, the lawyer's semantics of what is detain, what mm-hmm. is question, and then we get into Terry frisks and all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. Fourth Amendment stuff. Uh, but permitless carry basically says if you're lawful to possess that firearm and you're over the age of 21, you've got to be eligible for the license. Mm-hmm. then you're okay to carry. A lot of the questions I've been getting, because in Georgia, you can, well, federally, you can purchase a handgun in a private sale. Well, I say that. You can mm-hmm. possess a handgun in a private, uh, at, at the age of 18. You can't purchase from an FFL until you're 21. In Georgia, you can purchase through a private sale at the age of 18. But you can't get a weapons carry license until you're 21 unless prior or active military with training. And other states, like Virginia, for instance, won't recognize a Georgia license list uh, issued to anyone under the age of 21. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the questions I've been answering lately mm-hmm. are from 19-year-olds who say, hey, I can carry anywhere I want. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you can't because you can't be a lawful weapons carrier because you can't get the license. Okay. So, okay. Too much info, I know. No, I know there's, there's some good stuff in there. If you guys have anything, you can definitely ask us. Armament and ask. Axis says reciprocity is why I will renew my CCW. Um, are you in in Florida, Lewis? Um, you know, do you have to mm-hmm. notify a police officer that you're carrying? You have a duty. Florida does not have a note. Florida does not have a notify statute. Um, mm-hmm. And and I say this from personal experience as a law enforcement officer. Nine mm-hmm. out of ten times when an individual informed me mm-hmm. that they were a, car- a concealed carry permit holder. Mm-hmm. That actually made the stop a lot more comfortable. That would just be like, okay, you're not breaking the law because statistically speaking, your average permitted carry uh, holder follows the law. You know, it's so it, it actually lowered my guard as a cop. Mm-hmm. But sadly, in Florida, unlike Georgia, you cannot be 19 years old, you cannot be 18 years old and legally purchase a firearm. Now, here's the screwed up thing. It's 21 or over because of our illustrious uh, Republicans in the legislature after Mm -hmm. Parkland. They Mm -hmm. passed that gun control law. Mm -hmm. And it was written by now current Senate President Wilton Simpson, who's running for commissioner of agriculture. Mm -hmm. He's also the dirtbag that wrote the red flag laws. So he's running for the very office that runs and maintains the complete list of who could carry a firearm in Florida. 
Mm-hmm. So that's just a wonderful idea. Um, but just like Georgia, Florida will issue a concealed carry permit to anyone under the age of 21 if they have military service. So if they're currently in the military or if um, they have an honorable discharge and they present a DD-214, they can qualify to get a CCW, but they can't legally purchase a firearm in Florida. How screwed up is that? Yeah, so that was a little... So I noticed that Matt said that you can't buy from a gun store in Georgia until you're 21. But before for, in Florida, for handguns for handguns. So before in Florida, you could buy a handgun, right? You just couldn't have a concealed carry permit. But now you have to be twenty one, also. Yeah, or you can't Florida, buy any guns. I think in Florida, if you're under twenty. So in in Florida, prior to the Parkland bill, mm-hmm. if you were under the age of twenty one, you could legally purchase a long gun at any FFL, any dealer or distributor. So you can walk into a, a Walmart, a Bass Pro, your local gun shop, whatever, and you can legally purchase a long gun if you were 18 or older. And you can legally purchase a handgun through private purchase if you were under the age of 21. Um, but now you cannot legally purchase either if you're under the age of 21 because of the Parkland gun control bill. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're under the age of 21 and you're a military service member or an honorably discharged veteran, you can get you can apply and get a concealed carry permit, but you can't legally purchase the gun. Period. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you they really get... they really jacked that up. Yeah, that's yeah. It was worse than I thought, and a lot of this gets confusing. Um, and I, I want to bring up a point here, but let me say, let me uh, make this comment from Forty Two Chilled. He says CCW should be free. It's already our right. Um, I, you know, a lot of people in the gun community say, uh, yeah, the second amendment, that's my, that's my, uh, permit. Um, how has this gotten so complicated, man? Even a state like Georgia and Florida, very close, you know, uh, why has this gotten so complicated around the country? You know, I mean, I know it's probably not an easy answer, but how did it happen? It's It's because our laws are almost 250 years old. I'm saying, uh, it's an easy answer for me in Florida. It's because it's one of the holdovers of Jim Crow bigotry. Mm-hmm. Florida's entire gun control series of laws could stem their history back to 1893 after Southern Democrats regained control at the end of Reconstruction and, and created the Black Codes specifically to disarm and oppress freed Black Floridians. Mm-hmm. Now, on paper, the law was written to be applied across the board. And in 1893, um, well, going back to 1885, that's when they gained control. And then they rewrote the state constitution to where uh, it says you have the right to keep and bear arms, blah, 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 free state, comma, but the legislature has the right to regulate the method of carry. Mm -hmm. And they wrote that first when they adopted the then new state constitution. And then they wrote a bunch of gun control laws that said you had to get a permit issued from your county commissioner if you wanted to own a firearm. And you had to get one from the sheriff if you wanted to carry a firearm, blah, 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 blah. And on paper, those laws were to be applied across the board. In reality, those laws were used to strip freed blacks of any viable means of self-defense. And if you go to the 1941 state Supreme Court case here in Florida of Watson v. Stone, and I don't make his name up, this is literally the, the justice's name, Chief Justice Buford, He said, and I'm paraphrasing because it's a longer statement, but he basically said 
oh, I know of this law. This law was passed to disarm blacks. We never intended to enforce it against the white population. The majority of the white population in Florida has never been questioned, even if they have a permit to own, let alone to carry. Mm-hmm. And mind you, the defendant in this case, uh, Watson, he was a white guy. That's why it went to the state Supreme Court, because he was saying, well, I'm a white guy. Why are you enforcing this against <laughs> well, me? OK, that's the ironic and, thing I want to bring up. You know, sometimes in life we allow things because it's not happening to us, <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's not, I'm a I'm a dude that's happening to women. You know, I'm black. That's happening to white people, you know, or you're white. That's happening to and you think, oh, OK, that doesn't No, Everything's going to affect everyone. Anything you well, allow it, to become a law is going to affect everyone. Well, in Florida, it gets even worse. So Mm -hmm. in 1968, uh, with the rise of the civil rights movement, uh, you had the uh, the birth of the the reformed new Southern Democrat lawmaker. You had the progressive movement starting to regain control. So, you know, you had folks like Jimmy Carter. You had um, uh, Governor. um, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but Mm -hmm. very famous Florida governor. In the end, in 1968, the state, the uh, state. Uh, constitution was revised and a lot of it was to get rid of the good old-fashioned Jim Crow uh, bigotry but what they kept in it was the gun control part the whole part of well the legislature has the right to let to regulate the method of carry and even in 1987 when Florida became shell issue there was a change where um, an individual um, pled a uh, uh, he he, he pled out to a, to a felony charge and they, you know, they, they pled him out to a misdemeanor or something. I forget the, the full basis of the case. But in the end, at the time when he pled out, it wasn't an issue. Uh, he then applied for his concealed carry permit. They issued it to him. His private practice was being a, a, a PI, a private investigator. And then later on, they retroactively changed the law that said, oh, even if you pled, even if you had a, a, a and you'll, I can't remember the legal term, but Nolo, um, Nolo contendery where the contest. Thank you. I couldn't remember it. My brain's not functioning without coffee. I got, I got my Latin on. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, the courts literally said, well, you know, even though at the time this wasn't an issue, we're retroactively charging you with this. So we're, so we're stripping you of your carry permit, even though you were fine originally. And it's because you don't have a right to carry in Florida. You have a privilege to carry. And we still have that on the books to this day, because if you remember in the mid 2000s, you had Norman V. State, where Mr. Daley Norman, a black individual who was licensed to carry a firearm, was simply walking down the street in Fort Pierce, Florida, and he had an accidental exposure. His shirt rode up above his gun. He wasn't like, you know, waving it. He wasn't threatening people. He was literally just minding his own business, walking down the street. And hey, it accidentally rode up and exposed part of the firearm. Mm-hmm. Someone pulled a Karen, mm-hmm. called the cops on him, and he was forced to the ground at gunpoint by three law enforcement officers of the Fort Pierce Police Department. Went to the state supreme court, and the state supreme court said, "Yep, you have a you don't have a right to carry. You have a privilege to carry. The ban on open carry is fine." And mm-hmm. this is going on to this day, and this all traces its lineage back to Jim Crow bigotry. And I I constantly say this to everyone that claims that they're for equality, they're for fairness, they're for freedom. 
okay, if you're really for that, then you're for constitutional carry. And it makes anti-gunners pop their heads because they go, well, I'm for LGBT rights. I'm for Black Lives Matter. And, I, and, you know, and honestly, I am. I'm for equality. I believe everyone has the same rights. I don't care if you're white, black, gay, straight. You know, I don't care. That's we, we should, That's the place we should all be equal <clears throat> under the eyes of the law, right? Yeah. But yeah. I push it on them and I go, okay, so you claim to be for equality. Why do you support gun control? Mm-hmm. And they always give me the excuse, oh, well, you know, we have to do this because of criminals and that. Mind you, criminals always break the law. So I always tell them again, why are you backing laws that can be traced literally to Jim Crow bigotry? And they just vapor lock. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I Listen, I think there's a lot of problems we're facing here in Florida uh, with, it's like, you know, Florida's led by Republicans, so we've got a, a bunch of stuff that we've got to figure out what they're up to. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually registered here as a Republican. Okay, so, Matt, uh, what's your opinion of this? What's your opinion of, uh, well, I, I know he's right. He, he knows his, his state history, and I can tell mm-hmm. you that, by and large, it's almost the exact same line-by-line description of Georgia history as well. Mm-hmm. I think one reason that you're seeing a resurgence of gun rights in the South is because the South, you know, is waking up to its past and dealing with its past because we've been successful at integrating folks of importance of every way, shape, form, fashion, and color. Mm-hmm. A- and I think that, quite frankly, the pandemic did a lot of it to us. I think that we all now realize we are responsible for the care of our own families. I teach a lot of firearm seminars and I spoke at one, this is in between pandemic and riots, you know, or protests. I tell folks that we didn't really have riots in Atlanta. We had protests. I had a woman come up to me and she said, you know, she was mid forties, family transplant from the North, you know, Northeast. She said, I I didn't believe I would ever have to have this conversation, but I need a gun. Is it too late? And I said, well, let's take a breath. Let's talk about the reason. Well, I want to protect my family, and there aren't many left. Should I just go buy one? Absolutely not. Uh, You need to get some training. You need to try a bunch of different firearms. Find something that you're comfortable with, or you're not going to use it and train with it properly. Mm -hmm. And she went on to describe the fact that she and her husband felt like they had missed the boat on protecting their families, and they were at least happy they lived in a place that understood that you could do that. And I think that's a lot of what pushes us now in Georgia to continue to roll back those restrictions. These are rights that existed in 1791 when the Bill of Rights was ratified. You know, there weren't restrictions like this on the Second Amendment. And, you know, even today, even the Heller court said that there can be reasonable restrictions placed on regulating firearms, reasonable restrictions. Uh, But I think you're going to see from our Supreme Court before June, when they take up the Bruin case, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case, you're going to see them for the very first time declare that lawful individuals, eligible individuals have the right to possess a firearm outside the home. Mm-hmm. And it's going to change the landscape of everything that we know about firearm rights in Georgia. There are going to be a lot of states that dig in. California, Massachusetts, uh, Washington State, New York, to the extent that it will be able to. Mm-hmm. Illinois will continue to blame in everything on Indiana. 
And I think you'll see a lot of other states that, that do realize that they need to give back to individuals the right to, to claim that destiny of self-protection. Uh, it, it's time for the grownups to wake up. And I think at least 25 states have realized that. Yeah. You know, there's an interesting there's an interesting thing happening in America. I think more and more as time goes on, people are getting uh, closer. And in reality, people are overcoming the differences between like, you know, what walk of life did you come from? What's your you know, what's your skin color, etc. Right. I think that's reality. I think that's happening more and more in America. That's, you know, the way things should be. Right. Uh, we should get smarter. We should do things better even though the media doesn't seem to see that. One of the weird things I think that's happening is people are tearing down a lot of statues out there. Personally, I'm not for that. You know, I think regardless of what the history is of the people behind those statues, we need to leave it up so that we could go, okay, this was history. Let's look at it. Let's see like what the reality of it is. These guys did these good things. They did those bad things. But people have different opinions about that. But how come we're, we're tearing down those statues and we can't tear down these statutes, right? You know, all this, this uh, gun control stuff that, that, as you guys are saying here, came out of racism in America. Well, how come the, how come the, the, the liberals out there, the gun grabbers, don't want to tear that stuff down? I, you know, I think we're on the right track. And I think it's because states like Georgia and Florida, Indiana, Ohio, Alabama, we're, we realize now that it's not the distinctions that make us who we are. It's finding others of shared vision, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we are three fellas that don't look a whole lot alike, but we share the visions of self-protection and uh, liberty to the extent that the law allows it, right? Well, mm-hmm. it, but then the- we wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like High Point Firearms and Full Forge Gear, bags and gear for everyday life. Did you know High Point is an American family owned and operated company located in Ohio with over 30 years of manufacturing experience? High Point is proud to be the home of the working man's gun and your source for affordable handguns and carbines with a lifetime warranty. So when you're in the market, please consider Hype. Yeah. So here, some, that was my bad, guys. I was not even looking. I'm just like caught up in the conversation here with these guys. I was not even paying I, I attention just, to that countdown. <laughs> I just want to say, Matt, I consider myself to be the best looking out of the three. Thank you oh, very much. Oh, damn it. I was wow. going to say that. You now know. you've divided us again. I got the Latino charm going, man. Oh, what, yeah. What, what, okay. Unity broken. <laughs> unity broken. It's over now. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Um, where where were, where were we? Oh, there's a couple of things here. Um, let me see. Someone has a question for Georgia. Let me see if I can find this here. Um, okay, Brian Quick says, I live in Georgia. How does the new constitutional carry statute affect where you can car- uh, can and cannot carry? So, again, it doesn't change anything about the who and the where. Just Well, it does change the who. Mm-hmm. Uh, weapons carry license holders don't need the license. The law says that as a lawful weapons carrier, someone who has the license is eligible for it out of state who's lawful to carry here. You can carry virtually everywhere publicly and privately. There are some exceptions where no one can carry. Uh, Courthouses, mental health facilities, 
nuclear nuclear as we said back home <laughs> nuclear power plants okay. uh, right. churches without or, or places of worship without permission uh-huh. you can carry in georgia you can carry in a bar in a restaurant in a bank in a movie theater you can carry in a private vehicle if you're eligible you know as a lawful mm-hmm. carrier you can carry in in a, in a shopping mall and we don't have any law that says a sign is enough to keep you out. What the law says is that the person in control of that property can exclude you or eject you. And that means they got to tell you, you you have to leave. And if they tell you you have to leave and you don't, well, that's criminal trespass. Mm-hmm. And, and it always, this question always leads into what I say when I'm as in my lawyer uniform, I've, I've shed my lizard skin and I've taken on human appearance to be here with you gentlemen tonight. Uh, okay. What I tell folks is, right, what I tell folks is that everyone has a right to remain silent, but very few people have the ability, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go into a store that has a sign and the fellow walks up to you and says, hey, did you see the sign? What sign? The sign on the door. What door? The door you walked through. I walked through a door. There's a sign on the door. Oh, I don't know. What does it say? No guns allowed. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't read English. Right? <laughs> don't talk to people. They don't know you saw the sign if you don't talk to them. And if law enforcement gets involved, be polite, be respectful, but stand on your rights. You do not have to answer any questions. Mm-hmm. And then we say, if you need help and your U.S. Law Show member, pull out that card, dial the number. Your lawyer's mm-hmm. on his way. Okay. Very good. Um, I've got some other questions here. Let me see. Oh, Lola has a question. She says, Georgia eventually got it done. What was the biggest barrier to getting constitutional carry? We're obviously going through that here. What's up, Lewis? I'd love to answer that. Um, It was their governor. Um, Just like in Texas, (laughs) you had had Governor Brian Kemp literally Uh tell the legislature, I want this on my desk and I want it on my desk now because Georgia, just like Texas and just like Florida, Hmm. Republican majority in the legislature, but a lot of them were squishy rhinos. Hmm. But when the governor cracks the whip, the legislature goes, okay, we got to do this because Hmm. they understand how down ballot voting works. If Hmm. the governor's doing great, then the legislature is either going to do great but if they don't follow them, they're going to do bad. And that's what our governor right now in Florida is doing. That's what DeSantis is doing. He's cracking the whip. Yeah. The legislature didn't do their job. Now he's calling them into special session, taking time away from their elections because they should be campaigning for reelection, especially since we're redistricting. Every state senator is up for reelection right now. And they're yeah. all worried about their seats because you have a rush of primary challengers saying, oh, you didn't pass constitutional carry? Vote for me. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, Brian Quick says Kemp wants to get reelected. And I agree with that. These guys, you know, they want to get reelected and they don't want to answer that question to their constituents of what happened with constitutional carry. Uh, go go for it, Matt. Let us. What, what do you think? Do you agree? I, I think that's a lot of it. I am not going to uh, I, I'm not going to get on to the governor about doing what he did. I think he did the right thing. And I think he's mm-hmm. had a heart to do this. Mm-hmm. I do know that. I, well, I believe that he expects some significant opposition short term from David Perdue, who's backed by Donald Trump. And as we all know, Donald Trump 
and Brian Kemp don't really get along as well as they probably would, no. probably would, they would like, right? <laughs> but Friction, you so say? you know, <laughs> so there, so there's a big there's a big right. primary fight coming. Yeah. But then the biggest fight is yet to come because Stacey Abrams is back for round two. And, and very well funded. Very well. I'm seeing ads here in Florida for Stacey Abrams. As oh, yeah. Well, well now yeah. what's interesting about the funding issue mm-hmm. is she was just this week. There was a, a federal judge who said that she cannot raise fun- She, The governor, there's a special law in Georgia that allows a governor to collect funds early. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can't take advantage of it. Uh, but she attacked it in a way as to enjoin the, the governor from doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and what the judge basically said was, is, well, look, you said, don't let him do it. If you'd said, let me do it, you know, maybe that would have been okay. But you're saying, no, 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 keep him from doing it. No, that's not the law. Right. Uh, right. It's going to be a huge fight. It's gonna, that, mm-hmm. That's why they rolled her out on Star Trek a few weeks ago, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you mm-hmm. see that where she was the president of the United Federation of Planets on no, are you, is this a joke? Or is it? No, this no, is not a joke. It, it, it was on season two of Picard, but Picard <laughs> no, is a no, no, no. Of the show. No, you oh, gotta look it up. No. It, the the oh, doors squish no. open, and there's oh, Stacey Abrams. No. Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, you're, you're not you're not missing anything. Star Trek's been oh, dead I have, since 2009. Yeah, I haven't watched uh, Picard, so let me see. Oh, do I even want to see this? I don't want to see her when she shows up and ads on my. When I'm when I'm watching YouTube, I don't want to, you know. She, I, I you, oh you Lord. cannot discount her. She is, she is a deadly adversary for anyone. Wow, the they put her on Star right Trek. Now. Oh, they're not messing around. They She's got big money yeah. behind her. Then, yeah. So wow. it's going to be a knockdown drag out. And I got to be honest with okay. you, I, I'm sure the governor thought that this was low hanging fruit. Um, yeah. But nobody's complaining. Well, so, I, I think he did the right thing. Yeah, one of the things. One of the things I think happening in uh, in Georgia is that uh, there's a big movie, like there's a big section of Hollywood came to Georgia, right? Um, All of Hollywood is here. Yeah, there's a lot of movies getting made there. But then I think I'm trying to remember the name of the guy who built a studio. There's a, a black filmmaker that built a studio there and his mind. Tyler Perry took Ty- over Tyler an, Perry. Uh, an entire yeah. campus. Yeah. Yeah. So Tyler Perry put that there, uh, you know. Something happened with Hollywood and they don't like what's going down in Georgia. So, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to pump a bunch of money into this. And that's always a bad sign for Georgia. I think it's a good sign that there's filmmaking happening there, right? Business. But now they want to mess up Georgia as much as Hollywood is messed up. Well, it it goes back to some of the decisions that have been made legislatively about Restricting uh, abortion here in Georgia, and also the uh, the election law that was passed last year. That were some amendments made to the election laws, and mm-hmm. that's why Georgia lost the World Series. And the World Series was transferred to a state where the election laws are even more restrictive than Georgia's. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's I guess that's what the kids call gaslighting. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but the the movie industry is huge here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give you a little anecdote in, in Fayette County, Georgia, driving through little Fayette County, Georgia, top of hill, and you run into a complex that looks like a city. They've got 12 or 15 hangars that could park 15 airplanes apiece. That's where all the Avenger movies are made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's incredible. Every you can't swing a cat and not hit a movie production here yeah. in Atlanta. And 
you know, for a while we were worried about that. Kemp said, nope, we're doing this and mm -hmm. everybody's getting along now. Too much money to be made. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, to see what comes out of that. You know, it's good things. Uh, look, my, my, my son wants to be an actor. He's done a lot of acting and improv and stuff like that. And he, he wants to go live in Atlanta and uh, pursue that. And I don't want to get in his way, but I just don't, you know. Uh, I think got there's room some for one more. Tell him to come along. Yeah, I think there's some bad things that's going to come out of, you know, the politics aspect um, taking over here. Because, you know, a lot of this stuff may work for wealthy people, and I really don't think it will. But in the end, the, the average people out there need to be able to defend themselves, right? There's a lot of things these guys don't like. It has similarities with Disney. You know, if you could, if you could imagine, like when I was a kid growing up with Disney... And if you said to me that Disney will be trying to force, you know, the state of Florida to allow teachers to talk to kids, little kids that are four or five, six years old about sex and all that kind of stuff, I would have said there's no, no way. No way Disney would try to do that. And that's exactly what we're dealing with here. And it's because Disney's been taken over by a faction of Hollywood, right? And this is the same thing that they're looking to, to do with Georgia um, and, and the same thing that's affecting Florida here. And these guys have a lot of money and that money can affect, uh, politicians, including Republicans. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that nationally, the midterms are going to have some impact on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think you're going to, you would see this swing in, as a midterm election from a, a democratically controlled presidency anyway, or Republican controlled presidency. Mm -hmm. But I think just because of the way the pandemic played out and Ukraine and whatever else you want to add into it, mm -hmm. I think you're going to be, see a big swing nationally that's mm -hmm. going to trickle down to, to hotbed states like Georgia. And I think, you know, one of our two our senators is what, is what won the U.S. Senate for uh, the Democrats to control the U.S. Senate. And uh, Warnock's position, that was a special election. He's back up for grabs again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's already He's already on TV. Yeah, I'm seeing Warnock in ads here, too, on YouTube. And, of course, you're seeing it on YouTube because YouTube is allowing that. YouTube is even asking me about politics now. You know how sometimes if you're watching YouTube, you get a survey instead of an ad? Mm -hmm. They're asking me about politics. I can't remember. I wanted to take a picture of it, and it went away because, I one, none of the, the options did I want to check. And if you if that happens... You know, it goes away because I was getting I was getting out my camera to take a picture, but it was something like, what are your most important issues? And it like what's you know, and it was gun control. This all the and I was like, oh, these this is not none of this is trying to find out, you know, um, if I'm conservative. This is all assuming that you're liberal. The devil's yeah. in the details with those types of things. And it goes back. I mean, you guys see this. Lewis, you see this all the time. You have a guy who gets onto a a New York subway train with a handgun. And what's the first thing out of the president's mouth? We need to ban ghost guns. We need to ban assault weapons. We need to ban high capacity mags. He didn't have any of that stuff, folks. He had a gun that I believe he was lawfully acquired, correct? Mm -hmm. He did. And it's, it's just, it's the same old song and dance. They constantly push this. And, uh, you know, going, you were, you mentioned Disney. Disney has a lot of sway in Florida, other than them being the Reedy Creek Improvement District. They've literally have over 25 to 30 registered lobbyists working in Florida, and they've donated heavily to Republican lawmakers. Now, what's interesting is 
some Republican lawmakers, like Representative Barnaby, he's actually refunded Disney their campaign contributions. But others, like Representative David Smith, who I mentioned earlier, who said, oh, you know, I'm against open carry and constitutional carry because of international tourism. Mind you, international tourists only make up less than 4% of the total population of people that visit Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I believe he stated he has not returned and will not return his Disney contributions. And no clue about um, our illustrious uh, anti-gun Senate President Wilton Simpson if he's going to return money back to Disney. Mm-hmm. Also, so, we, yeah. get, we get a lot of people coming from other countries to Florida just to shoot guns, by the way. Oh, it's it's insane. If you go on International Drive in Kissimmee, right next door to Disney, Mm -hmm. you have machine. They're either called Machine Gun America or Machine Gun USA. Something like that. And it is a it's it's a gun range that all they do is they're they're uh, they're class three manufacturer. They make their own MGs and they literally rent it out to foreign tours and they make Mm -hmm. money hands over fist. You have people from all over the world going there. Because they want to shoot a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you, you also know, um, Solo Yacker, the gentleman that does a lot of the open carry fishing stuff here in Florida, he just recently released a video showing all of the tourists from across the world that want to take pictures with him while he's open carrying doing his fishing events. Mm-hmm. But again, you have a Republican lawmaker mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to trample and block Floridian Second Amendment rights because I think the money that only 3% of the entire tourist industry bring in are more important than the rights of everyone else. Mind you, out of 122 million people that visited Florida last year, only 4 million of them were international tourists. So that means the other 118 million people were from the US. Mm-hmm. And let's see, 47 states have open carry, 25 states now have constitutional carry, And just to reiterate this, every tourist from across the U.S. that drives to Florida will be driving through a constitutional carry jurisdiction to go to Florida. If it was such an issue, they wouldn't have open carry in their home states. They wouldn't have constitutional carry in their home states. So the idea that open carry and constitutional carry will hurt tourism is laughable. It's ludicrously laughable. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, listen, we're in the Gorn section. Um, you know, uh, we should talk about. We should throw up some kind of guns here in this section. You know, just just for. I know you've got something nice. So, what do you want to show us? Let's start with Lewis. Let's go for it. Classic man, you always got to go with the classics. <laughs> Smith and Wesson Model Forty One Twenty Two Long Rifle. It was considered the Cadillac of 22 target pistols, released in 1947, still made to this day. This one was made in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. On average, these bad boys go for over 1500 $1, bucks. This has never been fired. Got it with the original box, paid 400 bucks for it. Okay. Wow. Very nice. Congratulations. That is also one of the favorite things for gun guys to do, by the way. If you don't, everyone out there is a gun guy, but if you don't know this, gun guys like to go, listen, I got this for good money. You know, like, I, I got this for 75 bucks. These cost at least 1500 bucks nowadays. Like with AKs, I don't, I don't know. AKs were never really 75 bucks, but okay. What else you got, Louis? <laughs> It's Lewis Frost. Oh, there he goes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Smith and Wilson model, 38 double action, made in 1882. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah. Top break. Nice. Very nice. Um, was that a police gun at some point? I'm I'm wondering. Was that no? Um, I believe Boston or Baltimore PD issued these at okay. one point. Okay. Yeah. Very cool, uh, Matt. I know, Matt. Well, so I, I told you I didn't bring any with yeah. me. I can kind of tell you though. Yeah. Uh, my daily carries a Glock 19 Gen 3 with a mm-hmm. cut slide. I added a Hall Sun. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I've got a little special uh, present for anybody who breaks into the house. I keep a um, mm-hmm. <laughs> under the bed CMMG Banshee. In forty-five. What? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's a okay, you know it's nice. an AR pistol. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but I've mm-hmm. I am right-handed. I'm left eye dominant. I'm nearsighted, and I wear multifocals. So. <laughs> it's okay, so this is, this is why the red dot. What'd you say, Lewis? Lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. It's not quite. I thought, he was, I thought he was going to say nerd. <laughs> nerd. Both. No, no. Both. Uh, it's not quite prey and spray, but I did uh-huh. put the same optic on both of them. It's got, mm-hmm. it's a hollow sun with a little two MOA dot and the, like the 60 MOA circle. Everybody okay. in the family knows put the circle on the chest and pull till you can't hear anything anymore. Yeah. Oh, hollow so sun's good. A lot man. Of that. Yeah. Hollow sun's mm-hmm. doing good stuff. Uh, I'm going to pull out something here. So this is one, this is not the first gun that I got, but one of the first guns, you know, everyone, you know, like old, old, uh, old Joe Biden always talks about shotguns, you know, is that a Mossberg 500? Yeah, right yeah, yeah, right there. Mossberg. So there's people who like Remingtons and people who like Mossbergs. I am a Mossberg guy. Cause I like that safety right there. You know, yeah. I like where you could just put your hand right up there and you know, go off fire. So I like that. But yeah, this. So I had this over my bed for a long time. This Mo- Mossberg shotgun. I tacticalized it a little bit. I don't think I could. Yeah, you did. Yeah, no crimes, no crimes. It's got a light on it. You know. Um. Yeah. Very happy with this. I, I changed the stock too on this. Is that a twelve or a twenty? Uh, this is uh twelve. So, so uh, I, the ahead. reason I ask is my uh. My first gun was 19, Christmas of 86. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. My grandfather purchased a uh, Mossberg 500 12 gauge. Oh, cool. Of, and I've, I've still got it. Still yeah. got it. That, I, that and a Marlin Model 6022. You know, oh, you sweet. had the little tube that you fed the little 22 down into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still got both yeah. of those. Yeah, Mossbergs. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Lewis pulled out the break. All that noise you just heard, that was Lewis. Go ahead. With Arms List, you can shop the extensive list of local and nationwide firearms classified. Now with more confidence because of their built-in firewall. For only $6.99 a month for personal use or $30 a month for business vendors. So when you're in the market, please consider Arms List. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Arms List. So, um, someone was asking me, who was it? Night Train said, do you keep that, uh, Mossberg cruiser ready? What is cruiser ready when you don't have one in the chamber, but the tubes, the tubes are loaded. Full, so- full, ma- full magazine tube is loaded and you keep the uh, chamber empty. Yeah. So that's how I would keep it when it was, uh, when it was over my bed, it's not over my bed anymore. Now what I have, and I don't have it here with me, but I have a integrally suppressed, um, 300 blackout AR. 
So the suppressor part was built up by uh, Liberty Suppressors. It's the Leonidas. And uh, that's what I have by the by the bed, integrally suppressed. So I don't really have this there anymore. This is in the safe now, but you know, it was my it was my go-to. It was my go-to here. Okay, um, there you go. Let's go to let's go to what Lewis has here. Come on, Lewis, go. I know. Standard a, standard A two rifle. Yeah, I like. Make, <laughs> that's make, it. Make the grass grow. <laughs> that's a, that's all you're showing us. <laughs> Go okay. No, go back. Go back. First of all, uh, is this how you like to wrap your uh, your sling around the gun like that? That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Where did you Where did you get that from? Like, well, I've had the bayonet since I was in the army, but uh, uh, when I got out, I wanted to have a a clone of my service rifle. So, so an A two. So an eight. Uh, so. Uh, what was, was yours a Colt when you were in? FN. FN. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. And then that's the bay. So that's the exact bayonet that you had, right? Yep, that's an M7 bayonet. Very nice. That's why is that all we're see- okay? Okay, I don't know. Lewis only why wants is what? No, you only want to show us the bayonet. Let's see the rest. Because it's it. what makes it's what makes the grass grow. <laughs> Okay, I get it. Yes, I understand. It's, it's, That's it's, how you. It's twenty. It's also twenty inches of rifle barrel here. I, mean, I want to have the whole thing on. I got to stand back and lean back. And do all this. He's um, got to show you that one in installments. Right. He's like, this is how the grass grows. We we feed the grass with blood. <laughs> But that's what, that's what I still keep around for home defense. That no, that's cool. The Glock 17s. Yo, that's nice, man. I like that one. Uh, what is this? Shelly Fungus says, Hank. Uh, yeah, first of all, Lola says that doesn't look standard. Um, Shelly Fungus says, Hank, since Brian doesn't do it any longer, may I ask each guest what's their favorite Billy Ocean song is? Oh, my God. How did I fall into this trap? <laughs> okay, wow. Matt, favorite Billy Ocean song. Go for it. I, you know, everybody's a fan of Caribbean Queen or Caribbean Queen, but right. I got to go with There'll Be Sad Songs to Make You Cry. Oh, wow. Okay, there you go. Good one. Love, is go. that love songs often do. I, yeah. Great video, by the way. You need to check that video out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> Lewis, I think you've been asked this question before, but go for it. I, I've been asked, and you know my answer to that. I didn't like <laughs> Billy Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> What okay, who was your who was your dude? Who was your dude if not Billy Ocean? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I mean purple prince he's more of a Rick Astley kind of guy, right? Oh Prince. He said Prince. Oh, okay. Prince? No, 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 no. Prince, no. man. Prince. Oh, Prince, that was your dude, Prince. Okay. I like I, I, I like Prince. Prince was yeah. Prince had some had some good music, man. No, Prince is the man. That's respectable. See, like my parents were and more it, in like the Billy Ocean thing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And if it wasn't that, it was like Celia Cruz. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. There you go. So there you go. I hope you guys go. Shelly Fungus says, sorry, guys. I loved it when Brian used to pull that one. There you go. Um, and Lola says, laugh out loud, Matt, installments. Oh, yeah. I mean, that... The, the barrel on that gun's 20 inches long, right? He's, you know, he's got to rent space to show the rest of it. You can only have one guest when you have a, when you have a rifle that long. It gets its own camera. 
Right. That's yeah, right. He gets his own camera, one. gun cam. <laughs> yeah, Lewis has a nice. What I'm realizing, Lewis has a nice collection, but he very he like meters everything out. You know, it's like I'm not pulling out. It makes you work out. for it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Let's okay. See. While you're looking, I'm gonna show. So this is my other one here. Um, check this out. Do you guys know what this is? Little Have shorty, little AOW. Little AOW. This is from Safety Harbor Firearms, right there. The Keg 12. Let me see if I can get it to focus so you can see it right there. Keg 12 from Safety Harbor Firearms. Love this. Love this little bad boy right here, man. Um, I I'm not sure. I believe that Walter of Safety Harbor Firearms said that they. I think they're not making these anymore. I've got to check with him. I don't know. I think they had a few left, but I don't think they're making these anymore. And then if you got the thumb strength, you can actually fold that here. Now, do you remember... Who, who watched Miami Vice here? Are we all, like, people who watch Miami Vice? I was just Vice? about to say, that's something that looks straight out of Miami Vice or the A-Team. It's not yeah. a Mini 30, so I know it's not out, right out of the A-Team. Right. <laughs> Tubbs, yeah. car Tubbs carried a short-barreled Ithaca Model 37. Yeah. So just right there, and my friend um, Sam Andrews of Andrews Custom Leather, he makes like the most awesome leather holsters. And uh, I've done a lot of videos on my main channel with Sam Andrews. He makes something for this called the Firepower Rig. So, and I've got videos out there. So you can have, you can have this, you can have a Glock. I have like a, I, mine, I have like Glock 19 or Glock 17. You can have extra Glock mags, um, extra, extra 12 gauge rounds. It's freaking awesome. You guys should look that up if you want to see firepower rig, but I live in Florida, so I don't really, you know, that firepower rig is really for like the apocalypse or just a trip to Atlanta. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, Lewis, you look like you got something else here. What's 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 this? Looks like a run-of-the-mill shotgun, which it is. It's standard 20-gauge Browning Auto 5. Oh, nice. Except is that a Belgian? It's a Belgian-made, oh. except there's a little bit of interesting family history to it. That's really nice, by this, the way. I don't, you don't really see those those often anymore. They're really good-looking guns, though. That's a grandfather yeah. hunting gun right there. Yeah. That shotgun belonged to my Uncle Mario. And uh, Hank knows I've talked about him before. He was a Cuban patriot who was one of the main organizers of the Bay of Pigs invasion. Mm. Wow. And um, I have two guns from him. I have that and I have a Walter PPK, which I don't have the Walter PPK here right now. Oh, sweet. But nice. that was his hunting gun until he passed away. Mm -hmm. oh, and wow. I remember as a kid him taking that to uh, a uh, – uncle of mine's farm in Oklahoma to dove hunt. And now I have it in my collection and eventually it's going to go to my daughter and we're never getting rid of it. It's, it's a run of the mill shotgun. I mean, it's been beaten and abused. Uh, my it still runs Lou, though, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's still, it's smooth. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I still shoot it to this day, but mm -hmm. it's beaten and abused, scratched up, but this is one of the things, you know, everyone has, look, I have all the tactical stuff too. I have short barrel P90s, I have Styrogs, I have, uh, you name it, but every family should have something like this, something that they could trace back to someone that meant something in their family. And my uncle meant a lot to me because he can't, he left Cuba, was recruited by the CIA, wow. planned the Bay of Pigs. Wow. 
took part of the Bay of Pigs and spent the majority of his adult life of my entire childhood working as a CIA operative, fighting against totalitarianism, fighting against communism, socialism, Marxism across Latin America and the globe. Mm-hmm. And as a kid growing up, you know, when I was a little kid playing in his house, I didn't put two and two together. Mm-hmm. But he was that instrumental in making sure that as Americans, we didn't have totalitarianism visit our shores. Which, if as you know, I mean, look, half my family basically was butchered by communism in Cuba. And to this day, we see it in Cuba. We see it in Venezuela. We see it in North Korea, we see it in Russia, we see it in every totalitarian dictatorship you could think of, whether it's right wing or left wing. And one of the lessons my uncle told me, and I remember as a kid, he said, a free people are an armed people. Armed people are never slaves. Only the disarmed are slaves to the state. And it doesn't matter whether you have something like this, whether you have an AR-15, a Glock 17, you know, a, a shotgun, it doesn't matter. Every totalitarian dictatorship, the first thing they do is they go after guns. And Fidel mm-hmm. Castro, when he sees power, the first thing he did was he stood before the people and he said, Admas get literally translating to guns. Why, why guns? Yeah. Meaning, mm-hmm. why do you need guns? The state's here. We'll protect you. And yeah, where has that gone? Mm-hmm. And I know this section is we always joke about it. We It's always supposed to be more jovial. But mm-hmm. especially with what's going on now in on our on the federal side of government, on a number of state level governments, they're trying to go after our gun rights to where it's no longer just about fun. You know, look, I love taking that to the range and busting clays, man. But mm-hmm. we have right now a level of control that has been. Uh, let me rephrase it. We have right now two two groups battling it out. We have authoritarians. And liberty-minded people. It's no longer left versus right, Republican versus Democrat, because you have people on the Republican Party just as bad as Democrats and vice versa. And every 25 states now have constitutional carry. And part of that was because the people have said enough's enough. You know, as you mentioned earlier, Matt, as you mentioned earlier, you didn't have riots in, in Georgia. You had protests. Protests. And people countered those violent protests with their Second Amendment rights. Now, the issue here in Florida is we don't have open carry. We can't openly counter violence like that. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame. So let me, to that point, I don't want to just interrupt you though. mm -hmm. Would protection of self be a defense to any weapons violation like that, Lewis? No, we just had an incident in um, Gainesville, Florida where a gentleman and his girlfriend were attacked, uh, punched in the face. He was bleeding from the face. His girlfriend was, uh, w- was attacked and pushed to the ground and all that. He didn't have a concealed carry permit. Uh, now, this happened in the parking lot area where he was. This was like 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And he reached into his vehicle and he pulled out his firearm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he defended himself. Gainesville PD arrested him for carrying without a permit. When did this happen? Mind you, he's... This recently? happened uh, a couple, uh, well, yeah, recently, a week or two ago, okay. or a couple of weeks ago. Mm. W- within, easily within the last four weeks, this happened. Okay. And again, you had an individual. He's minding his own business, and mind you, Florida claims to be a standard ground state. Mm-hmm. You know, we claim to have a law that if you have an accidental brief exposure, it's not a criminal offense. You know, we have all of this, but we don't have open carry. 
Yeah, and Gainesville. Have, Gainesville's a very liberal. Gainesville's a very liberal town, and it's uh, you know. Oh, Gain, Gain, yeah. Gainesville's the Berkeley of the South. It, yeah. it's the Berkeley of the deep. Yeah, for, I live outside of Gainesville. I mean, it's very close to me. I didn't hear about that. I need to. I need to look it up. I don't know if you sent me that or not. You might have, and and I just I, didn't. I might it. have. Um, yeah. I wrote a piece on it on the truth about guns, and I'll just send mm-hmm. you directly the arrest affidavit. Yeah. But in um, the end, mm-hmm. the guy defended his girlfriend and himself mm-hmm. by reaching into his vehicle and pulling out a legally owned firearm. And he was arrested for simply having it without a government issued permission slip. Mm-hmm. So to, to piggyback on that, one of the things that I see all the time as a defense attorney, and I was a prosecutor before I became a defense attorney, is misapplication of the law. Lewis, I'm I'm sure you'll know what I'm I'm talking about here. What I explain to folks when I teach is there is a principle of the law and there is a practical of the law. And the principle is, is you have a right to defend yourself. You have a right to possess a firearm. You have a right to carry a firearm openly. Uh, There is a law in Georgia that would prevent a police officer from detaining you simply because you had a firearm. That's the principle. The practical is... That officer may not know the law. That officer may know the law and not care. That, may, that officer may know the law and not really understand the law and feel like that officer has to do something. So regardless of whether you are right or whether you are wrong, you still run the risk of being arrested. Mm-hmm. And the law in Georgia says that if you act in defense of self or in defense of another person, you cannot be convicted, right? The law actually says you cannot be prosecuted, but you don't have to invoke that right of self-defense unless you've been arrested charged, hauled into court, made to post a bond, had to hire a lawyer, and now you're fighting for your life and for your liberty, mm-hmm. right? Because so, it's, a, it's, a, it's an affirmative defense. Exactly. It's an, it's an affirmative defense. We call it an absolute affirmative defense, defense of justification. So what I like to teach, and not preach, but what I like to teach is there's a principle and a practical. The principle is you have that Second Amendment right. And yes, you can go out and carry a firearm to a counter-protest. The, the practical is if you don't want to get in trouble, stay at home, right? Those doors get progressively much smaller. What I tell folks is that as a law-abiding gun owner, you have to be the adult in every, every discussion that you have. You have to make decisions that other folks don't have to make. You can't drive to the post office to drop off Christmas cards or Hanukkah cards or birthday cards, right? Because it's a violation of federal law to possess a firearm on postal property, right? Uh, You can carry a gun into a bank. Why would you carry it openly? Well, because that's my right. Okay, well, if they let you in, which they probably will, and the bad guy comes in behind you, you're the first person to get shot. You know, hide your candy. Don't let people know what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. You don't have to put it out there. Don't don't post your safe on Instagram. Don't open up your safe on Facebook Live and show where the guns are. Right? Mm-hmm. Be smart. Be demure. Don't tell folks what you're thinking. Don't t- don't f- tell folks what you're carrying. Get off social media. Don't take pictures of your guns and just protect yourself and your family. the The principle is you have a right to do this. The practical is why would you need to? Okay. Sorry. Yeah. A little, I, bit I think of a little bit of a soapbox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it goes even to a, a simpler issue of malum in se versus malum prohibitum. And for folks that don't understand that, malum in se is wrong because of nature. Malum prohibitum is wrong because of administrative procedure or, or prohibited by law. Murder and, versus a parking yeah. violation. Yeah, exactly. And self-defense is malum 
and say. You have that natural right. It's an ingrained natural right. The banning of carrying without a permit, that's malum prohibiting. That's only against the law because some legislator decided to make it against the law. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's the biggest issue that I think Americans as a whole are fighting right now, whether mm-hmm. they're left or they're right. They're tired of malum prohibitum. They're tired of so many arbitrary laws passed as regulation to control people when as a free society, we want to be able to be free. Because if you look at a free society, there is always an inherent risk. You will never remove inherent risk. We can look at, again, New York City. We can look at Los Angeles. We can look at Chicago. We can look at the places with the most draconian gun laws on the books, and you still have violent crime. You still have people being attacked. You have people still being um, victimized. But if you remove those regulations and those restrictions and you allow the people the freedom to exercise their rights that they're born with, rights that existed even before the Constitution was enacted, because remember, the Constitution doesn't grant you rights. The Constitution simply enumerates rights. These are our inalienable rights, rights that the founders understood existed even before the Articles of Confederation were even drafted. That is the basis of what we're fighting for right now. And, and as you said, you have to be responsible. And one of the things that I've noticed in, very interestingly is when constitutional carry is passed, you have an uptick in people seeking firearms training, not because it's mandatory or regulated, but because they want to better themselves. They want to better educate themselves because they understand, hey, now I don't have to go through this burdensome hassle of getting a firearm. The funds and the time I would have spent to do that can now be better to make myself better. And on top of that, here in Florida specifically, and Hank knows this, Mm -hmm. we have mandatory training to get a concealed carry permit. And that mandatory training basically equates to someone reading a PowerPoint presentation, (laughs) loading a single shot revolver or a single action revolver with 22 shorts, standing them six feet from a bucket of sand and telling them to crank off those six rounds and then they sign them off as trained. Mind you, the individual isn't trained. Because it's a false narrative that the government now says, oh, you're trained. No. We see it all the time with driver's licenses. Look, people that get driver's licenses, they barely understand how to operate a vehicle. But when you remove the artificial uh, environments that people think, oh, because I, I got my little card, I'm good. No. When people are responsible as free individuals, They individually seek training. And the biggest thing that I've noticed is that trainers that actually put on a good product, their classes go up. And I have a number of friends here in Florida that they're certified instructors. They put on stuff that goes far beyond the scope of what Florida requires. Mm -hmm. They get a a line of people going around the block for their stuff. Mm -hmm. But the trainers that are against constitutional carry and against open carry, they're the guys that do the bucket of sand. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Matt, it, it goes back to... People being responsible. I think everyone should have the right to open carry. I want to open carry. Sometimes it's beneficial. Sometimes it's not. But I should have that option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, do, hey, do you perceive I – mean, I want to get your opinion on this. Okay. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization like Tusk Crypto. Tusk Cryptocurrency is a firearm-friendly e-commerce option for online payment transactions secured on the blockchain. So when you're in the crypto market, please consider Tusk, T-U-S-C. 
discuss with uh, yeah. Hank. So uh, yeah, can, by by the way, can you guys actually like? I don't know. I know you can't hear these guys, but you could probably hear me talking because I think my thing is not muted. Um, okay, so Matt, if you wanted to, if you wanted to. Uh, to, to go off here for a quick second. Here's what I was going to actually do. I was going to show you guys this. Um, this is like from six years ago now. I, I can't even believe that much time has gone by. This is when I got pulled over here in Florida. Uh, Driving While Strange is the name of the video. It's still on my YouTube channel. I got pulled over um, Easter Sunday. So that's six years ago now. Uh <laughs> I, I remember thinking, that. I remember yeah. this video. Yeah, I was thinking about it when I when I uh, when I was coming back. Yeah, I was coming back from uh, Tampa um, this Easter Sunday with Lola, and I was actually saying, you know, it was an Easter Sunday when I dropped my dad off at the airport in Tampa, and I was on the way back that I got pulled over, not in Tampa, but just you know, in Gainesville, just outside of Gainesville. So, um, you know, just everything you guys were saying reminded me of that. Um, I think, did you, did you need to take a quick break, Matt? If I can, if you're good. Yes, with it. absolutely. Yes. Go for it. I'm sure that Lewis is not going to have a problem right talking back. about anything <laughs> while you're gone. Uh, I'm still the best looking one here. So, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, um, Shelly fungus. I missed that ex military guy who used to come in the chats. He knew a ton about firearms and gear in general. I forget his handle. Question mark. Question mark. Yeah. Are you sure um, that's not you, Shelly Fungus? That's a uh, canine. Um, I, I see someone put uh, cops don't know the law, can't drive and can't shoot. And God, I, I hate having to say this, but from my personal experience, qualification uh -huh. with some officers was like seeing a five-year-old dragged to the dentist. They'd kick and scream mm -hmm. because they didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it, it reminds me of, of the classic excuse that we see from the gun grabbers is, oh, you know, we, we sh the public shouldn't have firearms because they can't be trusted. We should trust the military and law enforcement with firearms. Now, mind you, as someone that took the oath into the army and then became a cop, um, mm -hmm. I can honestly say this. The majority of people in the military, they don't deal with firearms. They do right. other work. They're not, not everyone in the military is a rifleman. Not everyone in the army is an infantryman. Not everyone in, in the Navy is a Navy SEAL. You know, it, most of them are cooks, mechanics, administrators, uh, you know, the paper pushers, um, doctors, whatever. For them, qualifying with a firearm is the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And with law enforcement, the state requirement in Florida to qualify is prior to the passage of the Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act under George Bush, it was once in your entire career. That's all the state required you to qualify with a firearm. Now it's annually. And the state requirement is you have to shoot 40 rounds between the three-yard line to the 15-yard line. That's it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 40 rounds for me, 40 rounds at 15 yards, it's, it's, it's nothing. I mean, it's actually only 12 rounds at 15 yards, but it's not even trying. I mean, God, at three yards, you don't even have to aim. You could literally just reach out and muzzle will touch paper basically mm -hmm. at that point. Um, but this idea that, oh, the military and law enforcement are heavily trained and they know how to handle. No, the majority is not. Um, and they're not, I see a, they're I not, see a number of, mm -hmm. of, of private citizens 
that they attend better training, they pay for it out of their own pocket, and they're safe and understand how to handle a firearm. Because yeah. they do it on their own accord. And they're not also, you know, they're not also aware of the laws in a, in a lot of cases. So that thing, Lolo was telling me to just talk about what happened there a little bit. So my dad was here um, visiting, and um, I, I happened to take him to the airport to drop him off so he could fly back to New York City on Easter Sunday. And um, I was on the way back, just driving through, and there's this thing that happens outside of Gainesville on that road, which is like the main road running through Gainesville. It's uh, State Road 26. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a, I guess there's like a black family that has this big party every year and, and uh, you know, rappers come in, all kinds of things. And it gets really crazy. I think there's folks who go out and just rush the stores. You guys have seen that before, you know, there's a group of people that get together, rush the stores and all that. So, the um, Alachua uh, Sheriff's Office, their way of dealing with this is posting up on that road every year. And anyone who drives through there that's black, they pull them over. That's basically what happened to me. And we call uh, that DWB. <laughs> right, exactly. And I found out about it like after the, after the fact of it happening. I found out about it because of a friend of mine that was actually part of ASO at the time. And he said, yeah, man, you know, I... It sucks. I'm sorry it happened to you, but I know they did it to you because this is what they do. And actually, when I was driving through, I have a radar detector in my cars typically. And when I was going through there, I have never seen before or after that a radar detector go so nuts. You know, it was just going crazy. And I, I was driving really slow and I could see all these cop like police cars. It must have been like 35 police cars out there. And they had some some like spotter cars even because I remember driving by these guys and they looked right in the car at me and I wasn't going fast or anything. And if anyone looks at that video, you'll see that the guy, one of the guys who pulled me over was on the opposite side of the street. He had a young black woman pulled over on the opposite side. And when I went by, he jumped into his car, U-turned and came after me. And you'll see a car behind me and in front of me pulling over at the same time that they pulled me over. And they told those guys, no, we don't want you. We want that guy in the middle. <laughs> you know, and then they wound up disarming me because they didn't feel comfortable with me being armed. Then that police officer actually, um, even though he verified my CCW, you can hear him running after he verified my CCW, running the serial numbers off my Glock. Wow. So did that serial number end in nineteen eighty three? Because that could have been a big payday for you. <laughs> really? Why uh, <laughs> Lewis knows get, what I'm talking about, like a uh, nineteen uh, yep. uh, uh, violation of uh, several uh, federal a violation of federal civil rights in nineteen eighty three claim is what's often made against yeah. so, law enforcement officers. So th so that's what happened. And so a friend of mine who's a white police officer that's uh, uh, or a white uh, deputy that's on that department told me, you know, you need to get that you need to get that and put it up. And I really didn't want to do it because, you know, I drive through here. I don't want to I don't want to get into anything with, you know, my local guys here and all that kind of stuff. And right where I live, my guys are awesome. I'm going to have my sheriff uh, on the show here. Uh, Bobby Schultz is is my local sheriff. And I'm going to have him. You, you uh, need to ask Bobby Schultz two questions. Mm -hmm. 
what is his stance on constitutional carry? Mm-hmm. I will. And did he individually endorse Wilton Simpson, or was that the Florida Sheriff's Association? Oh, okay. When when I'm having him on, I'll I'll uh, make sure I uh, I get in touch with you. But here's so here's the thing. I got that. I put it up, and from the result of that is they actually retrain those guys because, like you said, they're not supposed to. If if I'm not breaking the law, and they verified my CCW, you know. They weren't supposed to, to disarm me in the first place. You know, uh, the funny thing is, in the beginning, there was like seven guys out there. Uh, during most of this video, there's about two guys with body armor and all that, and they felt uncomfortable with with me being armed. Uh, really, it was that one guy. The other guy was a police officer that he used to live in New York, and he had like zero, zero problems with me. Even the other guy kept saying, do you have any more weapons? And I was like, dude, I got a bunch of knives on me. <laughs> You know, I got all kinds of stuff. And the guy who was standing right there next to me was like, just don't like as long as you don't go for anything, you're fine. You don't have to like give that up. So they got retrained and they stopped doing that thing. So that's the good thing, I think, that um, that came out of that whole thing, although I didn't want to do it. My question that I was going to ask Matt, since we have him on here, U.S. Law Shield, you know, you guys don't do anything in a case like that, right? Because I didn't really get arrested or anything, you don't necessarily, um, you know, so let's say if one of your members ran into a situation like that and felt like his rights were violated, do you guys get involved in that or only if they're arrested or catch charges, etc.? I think a lot of it depends on obviously the circumstances mm-hmm. and, and I'll, you know, full, uh, full disclosure, I, I represent the folks that they say, all right, this is our member, you need to represent them, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they, that's what they pay me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have different types of coverage in different states. One of the things that we have in Georgia is gun owner identity theft coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and cool. I have assisted individuals before whose firearms have been unlaw- uh, unlawfully or impermissibly retained by law enforcement. I did one of those recently. Okay. Uh, okay. So That's we, good to know. Cer- mm-hmm. Certain things like that, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things they'll say, no, absolutely not. You know, you have to have been in the process of protecting yourself. Or it has to be one of the, you know, the covered. But, I mean, by and large, if you're a U.S. Law Show member and you've got a trouble with a firearm, that's what we're here for. That's what, you know, that's what they pay me to assist with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't say no very often. I'll tell you that. I got a lot of cases from U.S. Law Shield. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I've also found, too, kind of the point that, that Lewis was making earlier is folks who carry lawfully who are trained and in georgia we don't have any carry requirements or any training requirements for carry mm-hmm. uh, we don't have any carry requirements anymore um mm-hmm. we didn't have to take a class and for a, a lot of reasons that was one of the reasons but for a lot of years south carolina would not grant georgia weapons carry license holders reciprocity because we didn't have a training component and finally that they just gave up on that um but what I have found is that U.S. Law Shield members tend to be better informed about the law, obviously because of their handsome lawyers. Um, <laughs> right, thank okay. you, thank you, folks, right. and making yes. donations. Um, um. <laughs> but they know better how to communicate with law enforcement the mm-hmm. things that they should say, the things they don't have to say, the things that they can do to make those, you know, uh, you know, interaction with law enforcement is an, it's it's just a part of life. Mm-hmm. And and they know my perspective on it, which is don't say anything if you don't have to. 
Um, I, I've done both sides of it. I've handed the weapons carry license out the door and, uh, with my firearm, uh, with, with my driver's license. And I did this over in a town locally that have uh, uh, motorcycle units, you know, the man with no eyes, sunglasses and the big, you know, the big boots and the, walks up to my truck and he says, uh, why are you handing me your weapons carry license? And I said, well, there's a 45 in the center console. There's an Aspaton in the glove box. And I'm pretty sure there's a taser in the door panel. Mm-hmm. And he take a step back and goes, why do you have so many weapons? <laughs> and I said, well, because I used to work in the Fulton County DA's office. Mm-hmm. He said, have a nice day. Oh, okay. You know, I guess, why did, here's my question. Why do you have an Aspaton? Uh, at the time, I had an Aspaton because I was working. The name is cracking me up. Sorry. ASP, Hank. Come on, dude. Come on. I thought we got past that, right? No. Uh, but I will tell no. you the story. The reason I had a baton is, is unfortunately, there was a member of the DA staff who may have had a, a, a bit of an ND uh, in the uh, office negligent discharge. And so the DA said no more guns. And so we all started carrying batons and it was not me. It was before my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to find that thing. Right. It yeah. It's around here somewhere. Listen, so. everyone should have an ass baton. I like that. You an know, ass. I still, baton. I still have oh, okay. Yeah. A telescoping baton. All right. Oh, Does that okay. sound better? <laughs> um, oh, I invented man. something called ass missiles. I, they... I still have one. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go for it, Lewis. I'm sure Lola right now. I don't saying, think you invented that. I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Lola's saying, "Do not encourage." I don't think you invented strange. that. I think what. <laughs> Go ahead. You didn't invent that. What invented that was you had some bad burritos one night. That's what invented that. <laughs> Dang. But, it's, uh, it's that hour of the show, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, we're getting off so track. So interesting <laughs> factoid: Ask the company. Mm-hmm. They didn't originally make batons. They made firearms. Ah. That's weird. What, what, took, what kind of fire? I mean, handguns. Mm-hmm. They they took Smith and Wesson Model Thirty Nines, which um, was the first nine, double action nine millimeter adopted by any law enforcement agency in the U.S. Uh, the Illinois State Police adopted it back in the nineteen sixties. But they would take Smith and Wesson Model Thirty Nines. These were about you know give or take the size of a nineteen eleven single stack nine millimeter, and they would chop them down. They would chop down the uh, the grip the the grip frame and the barrels and make them into compact guns in an era where you didn't have single stack compact nine millimeters. And they were known back in the day because they were highly expensive, but you would have a couple of uh, reports that CIA would be issuing them out, that the Navy SEALs in Vietnam would be issuing them out. Uh, and they were a very high dollar item back in the day. To this day on the collector circuits, they're very expensive. But they left that and went into making police batons. And it's it's interesting how they left that. But guns is what got them into the law enforcement market. They probably made a lot more money with batons. Yeah. Oh, they did. Also, they didn't have to buy product from Smith & Wesson to cut down and modify. It was just, hey, we're going to get an aluminum steel tube and there you go. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. still still have a baton, still carry that, still have a PR-24. Uh, baton from the good old days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was burritos that made your your asp, uh, whatever you called it. <laughs> no, your that's just missiles. Okay, since you want to know, since you want to know, 
basically, uh, and and actually, we're very close to to what to what my idea was. Where that's actually being implemented in uh, the Ukraine right now. But basically, my idea is we you know we have these bad actors out in the world, right? So instead of like putting you know boots on the ground and spending all the money that it takes to have the support system for that, etc., I was like, why don't we just invent missiles that we program? And they go, they go right up to these guys, and you know, go right up the ass and blow these guys up, right? Ass missiles. Yeah, <laughs> I invented well, these a while ago. Russian tank crews are figuring out that Javelin is the best distributor of tank parts <laughs> in the world right now. <laughs> well, have you seen? There's these uh, drones now that they're using in the Ukraine. That the drones are basically suicide drones. So they'll yeah, launch like those they'll, Turkish drones that they're using, right? Yeah, uh, is it Turkish? Yeah, they I get a lot of Turkish. those. They're like T something drones from Turkey, and oh. um, they're they're using them with deadly efficiency. I know that. Oh yeah, because yeah, I know they, they they release them as a swarm, and they just yeah. Well, yeah. and there's some there's some of them that are like you know, so this thing will just key in on you, man. It's too late for you to do anything about it. So you know, the only improvement they need to do is add the uh, you know, the uh, the. But I can't say it any other way. I'm sorry. The ass aspect of it, you know, that's what it should be locked into, man. That's what we need to see. I think I think they will get more funding if they would just go that route. <laughs> okay, before Lola really says like, okay, so you had a lawyer from U.S. Law Shield on the show, and this is what you decided. And, and this is where into. we wound up. Yeah, this is what you decided. This is literally the end of the Internet. We'll never get U.S. Law Shield back on the show again, no. No, I'm, um, a, I'm a dead man. Dead man. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so listen. So, uh, go to, ahead. To, mm -hmm. Go for to it. To bring it back to something that is not crazy. Okay. Um, <laughs> Matt, you, you mentioned Ukraine earlier, okay. how they restricted their firearm rights. What's interesting is Ukraine does have a Second Amendment, or not a Second Amendment organization, but a pro-gun rights organization. And they've actually been lobbying heavy, heavily. Even right before the invasion, uh, they were pushing for less restrictions on their gun laws. And Ukraine was, uh, I know a gentleman that has very close ties to Ukraine. Um, and he basically informed me that, right, that prior to the invasion, you could own rifles. So you could own an AR-15, you could own a semi, you know, an AK-47, an AK-74, and you could even own suppressors. What was very heavily restricted there was either transporting them or owning a handgun. Now, before the invasion, the Ukrainian parliament removed the restriction on transportation of a long gun. Basically, it was like, hey, look, if you legally own a, a long gun, you can legally transport it. It's not an issue. So even the Ukrainian government and, of course, the Ukrainian population is fully understanding the scope of how an armed society is a polite society and, of course, even further, how you could make it to where the juice ain't worth the squeeze because the Russians are figuring that out now, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're hitting a country where the entire population is basically either armed with firearms, IEDs, drones, javelin missiles. Uh, it, it's, it's the Russian troops are hitting ass missiles. Yeah. Ass missiles. Yeah. Ask missiles. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Go. Was there it's, a question? There was a question in there for Matt. I'm, I'm sorry. I couldn't resist that one. Sorry. It sounds rhetorical. <laughs> what was the question but, uh, in the 30 seconds we have left, <laughs> Lewis? 
Uh, Listen, I don't, I don't know where to go anymore. <laughs> uh, in the end, I'll, I'll just wrap it up by saying this. Even anti-gun countries in Europe are figuring out that an armed populace is safe. You have Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. They're creating these defense clubs where basically people could own their service rifles at home. It's, it's, it's groundbreaking. I've yes. looked at the and we'll be right back. <laughs> the Who Moved My Freedom podcast is made possible by our partners at 2A Commerce. Veteran owned and with over 20 years experience, 2A Commerce is the leader in custom e-commerce and web application development in the shooting sports industry. Clients include major brands such as Guard Dog Body Armor, Sylvan Arms, AccuFire Technologies, The Tactical Games, Warrior Knife Company, and yours truly, Hank Strange. Visit 2A Commerce and support this show by supporting them. Once again, visit the number 2acommerce.com. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm really glad you guys can't hear anything going on there. Okay, so Matt, you had a point you wanted to make about Estonia. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, you know, Lewis is absolutely <laughs> right. I read an article not long ago about the Estonian Defense League. It's an all-volunteer defense league that trains with military and paramilitary groups. They take all their body armor. They take their rifles home. And they train in their local districts. The, the, the notion being that when, not if, but when they are invaded by Russia, that they have a unique knowledge and, and, and the unique experience of being in that particular area. This is experience that these Russians don't have. And, and you know, we're, we're all very concerned, obviously, and we want to assist the Ukrainians, but there are a lot of folks out there, I think, that need our help, too, and that'd be a great way to get started for it. If you want to really get involved, I mean, believe me, the U.S., I think, has the Ukraine covered with what we're sending over there right now. Mm-hmm. If you want to get involved, look at the Estonian Defense League. Yeah. That stuff is amazing, and that's what, I think that's what we should all be about. Um, so see, I'll let you uh, get something in here, Lewis. I just wanted to say, man, Sevis passum parabellum. So Matt, you're a yep. lawyer. So, you know, you speak the language of the lawyers. If you uh, seek peace, prepare for war. That's right. All right. You know, and uh, Europe has got to deal with that. Go ahead, Lewis. Yeah. You know, the Estonian Defense League, it actually traces its history. Uh, a number of countries in, in the Baltic area did it. Finland had the uh, the Civil Guard prior to the uh, World War II, which was very similar. Uh, these were this was a private club that people joined, showing that they were anti-socialist, anti-communist. They were they had their own service rifles. They took them home, and they were uh, basically the reserves for the Finnish army. And as everyone knows historically, the Finns bled the Russians dry when. Russia invaded them in 39 and 1940. Mm-hmm. Um, the Estonians have learned from that. Lithuania and Latvia has learned from that. Switzerland has been uh, a model of that, historically speaking. They weren't invaded during World War II because the Germans had a plan to invade them. And the sole reason why was the Swiss were going to make it to where every inch of Swiss soil the Germans conquered was going to be paid with German blood. They weren't going to make it to where the juice wasn't wasn't worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. And the Germans were like, you know what? It ain't worth it. An armed society does that. If it, 
again, you know, and everyone goes, oh, well, our Constitution, our Second Amendment is outdated. It's no longer leaded. It's not like, you know, we're going to have the King of England come here and invade. That doesn't matter. You could even look into Mexico right now. You have the, uh, in Spanish, the uh, Auto Defense, yes, the, the, the Auto Defense Organizations, which are basically local communities telling the, the uh, Mexican federal government, screw you. We're going to arm ourselves with things that you say we can't because uh, Mexico actually has a right to keep and bear arms in their constitution, but it's heavily redacted and, and abused. Um, but the Mexican people have basically said, screw you. And they're running around with AKs or running around with ARs or running around with handguns. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting back the cartels where the police and the military aren't because the police and the military in Mexico, as we all know, are corrupt. And the people are rising up and saying enough is enough. And if you go back into Mexican history, during the Mexican uh, revolution in the early 1900s, afterwards, you had a socialist government take over and they went after Catholicism. They went after religion. Mm-hmm. And you had a, the, the religious population of Mexico. They, the very rifles they used to overthrow a dictatorial government, they brought those rifles back out of the hiding spots. And they fought the Mexican government to a standstill. Mind you, the Mexican government was literally killing priests and nuns during the the late 1910s and the early 1920s. And they were hanging people from telegraph poles that were practicing their religion openly. Mm -hmm. And these people fought the Mexican military to a standstill to where the Mexican government had to realize either we're going to have another revolution or we have to respect the people's uh, religious rights. Mm-hmm. Again, an armed society does that, as my uncle said. A dis- disarmed people are slaves to the state. You've never seen an armed population be someone else's slave. Mm-hmm. Never. Absolutely. Well said. Um, Matt, because uh, I know in this last section here, I want to get into a couple of things. Uh, one of the things I, I'm kind of like switching gears here a little bit, but I want to make sure I get this in. Now, obviously, everyone knows I've gotten all up in van life, right? You know, uh, hashtag van life going on there. I actually took a picture before I came in here just so I could show you guys. This is what now this was like when the sun was still up. But this is what I'm sitting in right now for transit. Um, nice. This is what I'm saying and nice. doing the podcast out there for folks out there. And one of the things that's uh, the one of the questions I've come across here, and and you know, uh, Lewis, you can jump in here too on this. So people ask me all the time because they realize that I'm a gun guy. I'm doing the van life thing, uh, defending yourself while you're traveling around the country. Okay, mm-hmm. um, can you talk to that a little bit? Well, so there's carry across the country, and then there's defense across the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every state has different laws, and the laws of the state are separate from the laws of the federal government. Excuse me. So in Georgia, for instance, your van could be either your vehicle or your home. And your home, your car, and your place of business are all considered your habitation in Georgia. Um, Previously, you could carry there without a license. Remember, that's not an issue anymore, thanks to constitutional carry. But being in your home, in your car, in your place of business gives you more expansive ability to protect yourself under the law. It's defensive habitation. It's the castle doctrine codified into Georgia law, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what's law in Georgia? Obviously, not law in Florida. 
what's law in Florida, not law in Michigan. Lewis can talk to some of this too. You know, back mm -hmm. in 1986, some mm -hmm. say the only mistake that Ronald Reagan ever made was signing the uh, the ban on assault weapons. You know, you you can't own or the, the ban on uh, uh, tier, uh, uh, Title Three firearms. Mach you know, uh, machine guns, anything that's made the, after the post, May the, 19th. And the the 80s. The 86 machine gun ban that any machine gun made yeah, after yeah, right, the 86 machine gun cannot be legally sold to civilian populace. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's another part of that law, though, that not a lot of people know about. It's the mm -hmm. Firearm Owners Protection Act, which was meant to keep the ATF out of the hand, out of the the day the day to day business of most FFLs. The ATF had begun to overreach. Mm -hmm. Part of that law says that if you are legal to possess a firearm in the state where you begin your travel and you are legal to possess a firearm in the state where you end your travel, you are legal under federal law to travel in any other state to get from point A to point B if you take that firearm, separate the magazine from the firearm, separate the ammo from the magazine, put the firearm in a locked case and make it inaccessible from the passenger compartment of the vehicle. Now, you can't do that in a sprinter like you've got. So it's just got to be out of reach of the, um, of the driver. And okay. if you do that, you can travel from Georgia to Maine, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can, as long as you're traveling and you can go through Washington, D.C., Virginia, which no longer has, uh, you know, any jurisdiction in Virginia can make its own laws. They no longer have a preemption doctrine. You can travel through New York and New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, all these places that are uh, inimicable to gun rights, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you're traveling, you could go from Georgia to Maine because Maine, I don't even think Maine has weapons carry licenses anymore. It's just constitutional carry. Hmm. Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont are constitutional carry. Right. So here's the issue that you get into with that, though. Mm -hmm. Let's say you and Lola stop in uh, New Jersey and you got to get gas. Well, if you've ever gotten gas in New Jersey, you know there's one thing in New Jersey you cannot do when you stop to get gas. Yeah, you can't and pump it. <laughs> you can't pump I your own gas. I used to live in New Jersey, yeah. <laughs> you right. can't pump your own so gas. So you, you, know, you, you mm -hmm. can't pump your own gas. You leave the van, you go to the bathroom, guy pumping your gas, looking around, sees where one of your Voltec uh, safes has slid out from under the seat, right? Mm -hmm. Calls the New Jersey State Police. New mm -hmm. Jersey State Police show up. They say, what you got in the, in, in the safe? Well, there's a firearm in there. Well, okay, what kind of firearm is it? Well, it, you know, everything's okay. Uh, I'm traveling under the Firearm Owners Protection Act. Well, you're not really traveling right now. You're stopped. Well, mm -hmm. I, I just had to stop to get gas, but it's mm -hmm. a handgun. Okay, it's a handgun. How many rounds does the magazine hold? Uh, Fifteen. Okay, that's a felony. Mm -hmm. New Jersey doesn't care about, uh, about the Firearm Owners Protection Act. Right? Okay. New, 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 New Jersey cares that they feel like they've done the right thing. The New Jersey State Police feel like they've done the right thing. Mm -hmm. So... Making a long point, obviously, I'm getting paid by the word here. Um, you you absolutely can carry federally and state to state. You need to know the laws in every state that you travel in. Hank, I know that you guys do that. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the advantages of U.S. Law Shield is they can provide you with that information and that protection in every state that you that you travel to. I know all those lawyers; they're good lawyers. Right. I think that uh, U.S. Law Shield has an app in regards to that. There's some other apps as well if people mm -hmm. uh, want to know. But I think U.S. Law Shield does have an app in that regards, right? I think so. I think yeah. you're right. Okay. Um, but I, that's a point. It gets back to that principle versus practical. Mm -hmm. You're you're doing everything right. Stay in New Jersey doesn't care. 
Mm-hmm. You need to have a plan in place for when things like that do happen. And I happen to know that the U.S. Law Shield Attorney in, in New Jersey is an absolute bulldog, so you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that's stuff that you guys have to – I mean, you probably spend a lot of time thinking about that when you guys are I on do. the road, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and people ask me about it, you know, should they carry a rifle? Should they carry a handgun? You know, what about <laughs> suppressors and <laughs> this thing and that thing? I try to keep it simple um, for, for the very reason of what you're saying, but still have something on me. I think Lewis wanted to uh, make a point. Go ahead, Lewis. Yeah, to reiterate um, FOPA, the Fire Owners Protection Act, it mm-hmm. has, uh, as you brought up, it, the travel issue versus mm-hmm. not travel. There was mm-hmm. two cases. You had one where a gentleman was uh, moving a collection from either Maine or New Hampshire down somewhere in the south. He uh, stopped in in New Jersey. His, literally, he was exhausted. He, you know, For his own safety, he pulled over, took a nap mm-hmm. in his car. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Jersey officer saw him, saw a firearm case in the backseat of the car, asked him what was going on, arrested him. Mm-hmm. That's one of the issues. You have to drive through. You cannot stop for gas. You can't stop for food. You can't stop for a break. Even if there's inclement weather, you can't stop. But the more important thing is airliners. So let's say I'm flying from Miami to go on a hunting trip in Boise, Idaho, or somewhere in Montana, whatever. Let's say due to weather, the flight's diverted to New Jersey. Plane land. The airliner says, hey, look. We're, 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 you know, here's your check-in luggage. Uh, we're going to put you in a hotel overnight. Come back, check your luggage in. Well, guess what? That actually happened to an individual. Yeah, I think a it, former it, FBI agent that, or you know, something. The airline gave him his luggage. Mm-hmm. I forget the, the full scope of, of the, uh, the individual, but the end result was plane was diverted to either New Jersey or New York. He got off the plane. They gave him his luggage. He went back in, did everything by the book, checked his luggage in again. And he was arrested on the spot. Now, it went up to this, uh, I forget if it went to the uh, Supreme Court or if it went up to a uh, federal district court. But in the end, the court ruled that FOPA didn't even apply as an administrative, as an affirmative defense in that regard because he stopped traveling. So in theory, if that happened, what you immediately have to do is get your luggage, jump in a rental car, and get the hell out. You have to continue traveling. Um mm. And this is, this is something that ticks me off personally because I'm personally covered under the Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act. If I mm-hmm. qualify uh, annually, I could carry in all 50 states and territories. Yet my mm-hmm. wife, who's just as responsible and safe as I can, as me, she can't. And it's all because I, had a, I carried a piece of tin in my wallet for over 10 years. Yeah. And she's and also way better looking than you, even though, you know, you oh, 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 dramatically. So I, I'm not going to lie. But that's so, so the thing. So the key is to, the, the key to this I'm, I'm getting here um, is that if you know you're in one of these states um, that's, you know, very anti-gun, right? Or, you know, there's uh, specific laws against what you're doing here. You need to keep moving through that state, right? So maybe... Before that state, make sure you're full of gas. You have enough gas to get out of that state, you know, or be or if you I guess if you know, I mean, that's inevitable. You might have to stop and do something. But keep moving through the state is what you're saying. Keep keep moving through the state. And the other thing is look at the local state laws like Illinois, for example. Illinois doesn't recognize any out of state permit for carry. But they wrote an interesting caveat into their law. If you have an out of state permit, you can keep the firearm in your vehicle. Mm hmm. So at least if you're driving through Illinois, 
to let's say get you know you're going from Indiana to Wisconsin or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. As long at least if you're doing that, you know, there's a little carve out for you if you have an out of state permit. So you need to look. But if you go to California, they don't recognize any permit. You go to New York, they don't recognize any permit. You go to New Jersey, they don't recognize any permit. Mm-hmm. So you need to have your due diligence. And one of the best things is plan. It, it sucks, but plan your route accordingly. If you could avoid a place like that, do it. And if you can't look for the shortest route to get the hell through. And like you said, stop and get gas. If you're tired, rest before you cross into that jurisdiction. And if you're flying, you really have to plan a backup just in case. Okay. Uh, did you, Matt, did you want to, uh, jump back in here on that. I think he's absolutely right. I, you know, what I tell folks is it goes back to having to be the bigger, uh, the, 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 the thinker, having to be the adult in these conversations. And unfortunately, choices of law like this require us to make harder choices that we shouldn't have to make. You know, if, if it means if my kids are with me and this means me being separated from my kids in New York, I may decide not to carry to protect myself and my family because I don't want to run the risk of being delayed and, and, and something like this happen. And um, there's no need for us to have to make these decisions. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but it is yeah. what it is, you know, it, until yeah. we change it. Yes, it is. And, you know, there's been instances where if I knew I was going to spend time in the state, like uh, New York, for example, I, you know, I may stop in a state where I have a friend that lives in that state and it's, it's legal for me to do it. And I'll leave my stuff with that person, you know, and then, and then go into the state just to, you know, not get into a situation where I'm in a state like New York, uh, and I get in trouble when the last time I was in New York, there was a story that people were telling me about this, these, uh, two brothers who, uh, I think they were in Georgia and they sold jewelry and they were going through, they went to New York, they stayed in a hotel you know, the one brother had a permit in, in Georgia. He took his gun to New York and put it in the hotel safe. But the maid somehow got into that safe and then called the cops. And he got mm-hmm. he got locked up over that. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's not it's not uh, cool. And obviously, I'm not a lawyer. I, w- I would say to people, don't volunteer information that you don't have to. Another situation that happened to a friend of mine um that you know was actually a combat veteran he was doing uber and he was in connecticut and he drove he took a passenger from connecticut into new york dropped him off in harlem and then got pulled over by the cops because he was driving while white in harlem (laughs) you know but then he voluntarily told them that he had a gun in his bag you know it's like one of those uh you know maxpedition type backpacks the cops couldn't even find it yeah. You know, they had the bag and they couldn't yep. even find it. And then he gave it to them and he got arrested. I think he finally beat the charges, but they never gave him his Glock back. And I was like, why did you even tell these guys anything? So I, I don't know what you want to say about that. A, a good friend of mine, John Murphy of FPF training, um, an excellent firearm trainer. He always puts this in his training classes. Shut the F up. Don't talk. That That's literally one of his, you know, he goes over tactical shooting but he goes over the legal aspects. Shut the F up. Don't talk. Don't volunteer information if you don't have to. Because yeah. all you do is you dig yourself in that hole. Yeah. You know what happens when Everybody police Everybody has op- the right to remain silent. Few people have the ability. Yes, absolutely. You know what police officers do when they get in trouble? 
I call my <laughs> union rep. Yeah, they don't talk. They don't talk, dude. <laughs> they don't talk. <laughs> I, I was. I, I paid my PBA union dues for one reason and one reason only, to have a lawyer represent me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I would just, I don't know if you feel like we got it. It's going to be a little bit more complicated than this. And I might have to really sit down and figure out a way to get a better conversation uh, going on this particular thing. Because people ask about this all the time, not just uh, folks who are part of van life. You know, we're all traveling around the country in lots of different ways. And um, yeah, you know, I think that there's a couple of things in here that you need to think about. Think about where you're going you know, uh, how you're, how you're traveling. Like Lewis said, if you get, if you're flying and you declare it, but you get into trouble, you better have a backup plan. <laughs> if you wind up in New York or New Jersey or even California for that matter, who knows what could happen there. So here's the thing. We're going to take one more break. We're going to come back here and we're going to start wrapping up the show. So that's going to happen right now. I'm actually seeing the break. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of manufacturers like Safety Harbor Firearms. SHF is a quintessential family-owned small business totally representative of the American dream. Safety Harbor Firearms is a Florida-based manufacturer of the compact entry stock and the SHTF 50 upper for an AR-15 lower. Also, SHF happily delivers on your Sten Gun parts needs. So don't forget to check out StenParts.com and SafetyHarborFirearms.com. All right. So listen, one of the things I want to do here, uh, Matt, if you guys want to get more info, I know has his own podcast here, which uh, Lola is telling me to bring it up. But Matt, go ahead and uh, tell the folks about the podcast and, uh, you know, other places they can find you and get in touch with you here while I pull that. Well, we've been so busy lately that we haven't done a lot of them. Uh, fortunately, the phone's been ringing off the hook. We have the556.com, which is something that we do from time to time. Yep, there we are. Mm -hmm. uh, safety laws and training for gun owners. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, of course, we have uh, Georgia Gun Lawyers, which is uh, my website. And uh, I also may have written a book. <laughs> there you go. Boom. Yeah, so that's a uh, second edition, and I actually told uh, Governor Kemp last week, I said, hey, thanks for signing that bill. Thanks for all the extra work. I've got to go back and write that whole damn book again, <laughs> and he smiled politely and kept walking. Yeah. Uh, Too bad you're not but, like a college professor, man. You can make people keep buying those books. Oh, man. I, <laughs> hey, listen, if, if anybody out there needs an internship and how to uh, rewrite a book, Please call me. Uh, my, you know, hopefully your rates are favorable. Right. Uh, so we do. I do a lot of uh, seminar training for U.S. Law Shield, and um, you know we do actually do a lot of pardon work as well, helping people get their rights back, and obviously protecting folks who who really need good uh, self defense uh, expertise and kind of stuff. So that's right. So if anyone's looking at this and they maybe want to get in touch with you or follow you somewhere in social media, how do they do it? Damn, there you go. GeorgiaGunLawyers.com. Go. Georgia and you can find us on Facebook at Georgia Gun Lawyers, uh, Instagram. Uh, and then if they want to come to a class, boom, look at that. That's U.S. Law Show. <laughs> hey, man, I got a stream deck just like you do. Okay. And I'll, 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 magic finger. Punches yeah. button. There we I, go. Yeah, I heard you. Uh, you use ecam and all that kind of stuff too. So I do. I yeah, do. Me very, speak good techie. 
Yeah, but, or someone does it for you, okay? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Right. I, do have, <laughs> I do surround myself with bright individuals. Right, right. Okay. Um, and then we're, we'll go to Lewis. Lewis, for the folks out there who are watching this and they want to find out more from you, communicate with you, etc., how would you suggest those folks go about that? Best way to do it, go to gunowners.org slash join. It's just 25 bucks a year to join GOA. Um, but we have, so I, I can't fully unveil it, but we have some exciting things coming out in GOA in terms of communications and updates and notifications that it's going to be very important for you guys um, mm -hmm. and your listeners and your watchers and your viewers. Um, it's going to be very beneficial for them. So mm -hmm. Uh, as the state director, I cover Florida. I also cover uh, outreach in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So GOA is truly national. We don't just cover, you know, the gun-friendly states. We cover the country. But, um, yeah. again, if people want to uh, keep track of what's going on, they could go to gunowners.org. Uh, they could see our national alerts and our state-level alerts. I'm the Florida director, so I cover everything in Florida. You'll see my alerts there. Uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me is through GOA. But I always ask your callers, or not your callers, your uh, your fans and your viewers to always ask, whether you're in Florida or you're out of Florida, call Governor DeSantis at 850-717-9337 and tell him that you want a constitutional carry special session to be called. He's already done it for congressional redistricting. He's expanded it to cover the issue with Disney, and he's called another one for insurance reform. We need constitutional carry in Florida. If you're a Florida resident, you have tremendous power. But if you're outside of Florida, you even have more power because guess what? Even though Representative David Smith thinks international tourists are what matter, you matter. We had 122 million people visit Florida, 118 million of them. We're Americans. If you call the governor's office and you tell him as a tourist, as someone outside of Florida, you will visit Florida more often if we pass constitutional carry. You could help us become the 26th state in the union to get constitutional carry. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. I'm serious as a heart attack. As mm -hmm. the state director of Florida, I'm asking you guys outside of Florida to help because I lend whatever effort I can to the issues outside of Florida. We are all in it together. And as Hank, you know, I always end it with our national motto is E Pluribus Unum, out of many one. We're all in this together, folks. I can't do it without you. Absolutely. You know, I mean, Lewis is for real. If you guys don't realize that from just listening to this podcast or checking out the other ones, I mean, this is a guy that has a, a deep history him and his family in freedom and he really you know i know you could do a lot of things but i'm glad that you're you know in tallahassee fighting on behalf of the second amendment and of floridians here so i appreciate it and you know even the same goes to matt uh lola wanted me matt to get from you like some final words obviously you guys got constitutional carry in georgia but she wanted to you know she wanted to get some final words for from you on constitutional carry you know maybe you have some similar advice of uh what lewis has given us here what can we do here in florida to to uh, make this happen Vote, vote early and vote often, as they say in Illinois, in Chicago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you've, you've, you've got to be involved in the process. Yeah. And, and you know what Tip O'Neill used to say is all politics is local. You know, 
the, the local stuff is the most important stuff because that's where your money goes. That's where the rubber meets the road for you. So, you know, join uh, gun owners, you know, find out who your reps are, find out how your reps stand on these issues, and then talk to your reps about these issues. Uh, all, all this information's out there. You've just got to educate and over-educate yourself on. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully these guys will come back. I hope they had a fun time here on the it was podcast. Great. Yeah. It's um, always a great time. You know I love being on, on your show, man. Awesome. Absolutely. You, you, you always help make it a, a great time. So here's what I'm going to do. This is how we do it here. I'm going to run in the end part, and we're going to come back, and someone's going to do words of wisdom. I nominate Matt since he's he's new here. Matt, so uh, I hope you got some good words of wisdom for us. Just, uh, you know, keep keep it, uh, get ready to load it up here. I'm going to run in the end. Big thanks to everyone. I don't. We're not doing Thursday and Friday. Friday, I have to, uh, I'm going to be doing something in Tampa. I've got some, some work I've got to get up to over there. So tomorrow I'm going to, you know, take that day off and get prepared for all that stuff. So we'll see you guys next Monday back here on the show. But big thanks to everyone for hanging out with us this week. It's been a great fun week. Uh, with that said, let me roll in the end and we'll be right back here in a second. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out with us here on the show. Uh, we're going to rip the audio out of this and throw it up on iTunes and Podbean and all your favorite places to get your audio podcast from. You can actually get the audio podcast from Audible right now. You can find us on there if you look for the Who Moved My Freedom uh, podcast on there, as well as we're a part of the Firearms Radio Network. So welcome to all the people that are uh, listening to us through that. Matt Kilgo, words of wisdom, sir. All right. So my words of wisdom for you come from Theodore Roosevelt, my favorite president. Far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. Wow. Nice. Nice one. Well said. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, Matt and Lewis, stay right there. Guys, we'll see you next time. We are out of here. Let me make sure I press all the buttons in the appropriate order here.